Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and I was really looking forward to the prequel for our review this week, After Yin. <laughs> I didn't... Wow. I, could, before Yang is right there. I zigged it's... instead of zagging, Jeff. You yanged instead of yinging. <laughs> I yinned instead of before yanged. <laughs> Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. Remember, folks, always get a certified refurbished Android, not a not not just some off the shelf thing, not a floor model, certified refurbished. Get that, you know, certificate of authenticity, please. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. I'm Jeff Kanata, and I'm just going to say it. I don't like tea. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, okay. we knew this. Yeah. Those are, of course, all extremely oblique and vague references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Koganata's new film, after Yang, which is streaming right now on Showtime. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Today, we got some film news. We got some emails from the mailbag. We got some what we've been watching for you, some weekly plugs leading up to our review. But before any of that, I have to acknowledge the elephant in the room, which is that... Devinder Hardwar, uh, this might be your your last episode for for a couple weeks. It's it's very possible for this a little be your while. Last episode for a couple yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, because what's going on? What's what's happening? You said, "Hey, David, I need to take some time off," and I was like, "Absolutely not." You know. Um, and then you con- continued to argue with me until I finally said, "Okay, fine." Uh, so what is the reason for you needing to take some time off, Devinder? I mean, I'm also learning Dave is my boss now. I think that's the way it works. That's not the way it works at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, no. We're expecting baby number two any any time in the next few weeks. So I am just uh, mentally and physically preparing for all of that. And that's fun. Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned in our pre-show talk, all hands on deck could happen at any time. Um, but depending on how things play out, Devendra may or may not be around for the next couple weeks. Um, so just want Exciting. people to be, be ready for that. Um, it's not as though anything weird has happened in the podcast. It's just yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. a major life. I just really reoriented my life around missing Morbius, the living vampire. I just <laughs> really needed to be not here mm-hmm, for that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That is uh, uh, yeah, I that's kind of a coincidence, Devendra. Yeah. Don't you think that... Uh, you're not around during the week that we're reviewing Morbius? Dave, Dave that's totally called the next. rhythm method. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Thank you for that, Jeff. Thank you for that. Okay. Um, so FYI, Devinger may yeah. or may not be around. And, yeah. and you know, for everybody keeping track at home, anything short of literally creating a new human will incur the wrath of Dave Chen on this oh, podcast. Oh, yes. I mean, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. So, Okay. Uh, before we get to what we've been watching, there's a couple things I want to discuss. One of them is that the biggest film news of the year dropped moments before this podcast began recording. Of the decade, you mean? Of the de- You're right, of the decade. Uh, probably of the last we, 13 We years. have waited over a decade for this, so yeah. Okay, so I am reading... From the Ankler newsletter, it has a, a sub-newsletter written by Jeff Snyder called The Transom, or Hollywood Transom. Uh, and Jeff Snyder writes, quote, The Transom here is that an Avatar 2 teaser of some kind will debut in front of Marvel's Doctor Strange sequel, which Disney will release exclusively in theaters on May 6th. Ooh. Disney had no comment when asked, but we hear that the Mouse House is eyeing that date, 
hoping to replicate the success that Sony had with Spider-Man No Way Home. And one way to help juice Strange's numbers would be to offer the very first glimpse of Avatar 2 in front of that film. Yeah. Um, sure. I can imagine. Wait. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. The entire audience is just going to be like kids being like, what? what is this? Is this an MCU thing? Is this, uh, you know, is this another Marvel thing? Like, just total bafflement for everybody ten and under. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah, I well, mean, no, he, you I mean, guys, Snyder, this is Snyder the continues here. The, this the, is the beginning of the the, <laughs> the the sea change of opinion. It's happening. Yep. yep. Uh, Snyder continues, quote, the fact is that Avatar isn't part of the MCU. It's a movie that came out 13 years ago. So Disney has to raise awareness for a whole new generation of young moviegoers. And the studio can't afford to play hide and seek games with James Cameron's sequel. They need to go big with this one. And that means a strange sequel, which is a Pandora's box full of surprises in store for Marvel fans. But no spoilers here. Okay. So... Also, yes, Jeff, the sea change. Apparently, Zoe Saldana uh, cried after watching the first 20 minutes of the film. Yeah, I don't dude. Know if you heard about that. She's like, I can't believe it exists. Oh, my God. <laughs> you guys, I mean, there's. it's going to be so much fun with all the crow that's going to be eaten. Uh, I'm this... going to be choking on crow is what's going to be. So yeah. much crow. But really, for me to choke on crow, I'm the gagging movie has on crow. to. I'm gagging on crow right it, now. it has to be released. It has to be something I'm watching. Like, I'm not judging <laughs> the quality of it. I'm judging the existence of this movie. So, it's, yeah. Dude, I, it's going to happen this year. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. I can't, I'm not going to watch the trailer, but. Yeah. You, I am... <laughs> you know what's going to be ironic is I'm pro- I probably am going to watch the teaser. Yeah. Uh-huh. So for a good year, I'm going to know more about Avatar 2 than you, Jeff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We will lord this over. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Uh, yeah. I have had my finger on the pulse a bit of this. Uh-huh. I have some some reports that the amount of work just on this teaser trailer has been nothing short of uh, brutal to human beings. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that like the, the amount of effects work. That's going into debuting this trailer is like mm-hmm. a that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's something. Mm-hmm. This is what I've heard. Well, you'll have to hear it from us, Jeff, when we report <laughs> to you after watching it in theaters. So I'm so excited. I love the fact that Marvel's tentpole summer movie needs the help of Avatar. That's yeah, yeah. That's pretty amazing. Does it really? You know who's who's really helping who in that case? You know, saying, you, like, you read it to me. I didn't say it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the the article kind of takes two different positions on it, which is that like, on the one hand, maybe people will be enticed into theaters by uh, by an Avatar trail. Here's the question, Devendra, or uh-huh. actually, here's the question, Jeff. Here's the question, Jeff. Forget about Devendra because I yeah. know the answer to this one. But for Jeff, if you watch trailers, which you don't. But if you did, would you pay money to go see the Avatar 2 trailer in theaters for a movie that you had no interest in? Well, this is a number, uh, many levels of hypothetical, because I'm also very excited to see Doctor Strange, obviously. Okay, uh, if it was some shit movie that you didn't want to see at all, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, th- this is a major event trailer to me, yes. In, in that sense, it is like, now, I Mandy would be Part 2. What? You you didn't like that movie Mandy with Nicolas Cage, so I'm like, if you if it was a Mandy two trailer <laughs> Mandy or two. Mandy two movie, do I, buy mo- do I pay money to see like I did in 1990, whatever that was, when I paid money to see uh, whatever that movie was, and then walked out after the Star Wars trailer? Um, what movie was that? We all p- paid. What, I don't what, remember. What movie was no. that? Some bad movie with a uh, episode one trailer debuted in front of it. I remember everybody buying tickets to Meet that Meet Joe movie. Black, I think is what is that what it was. Wow. <laughs> Good People pull. missed out. Deep deep yeah. cut, Dave. Um <laughs> I I'm I would be shocked. 
if you guys aren't at least curious to see this trailer like I mean, it doesn't I'm, I'm definitely curious i'm more it's the aftermath right it is the fact that this is in your argument of avatar's <laughs> cultural relevance jeff you you can't see it this is like the <laughs> celebrate this is like the homecoming for avatar and you can't do anything because of your religious convictions i think it's amazing you you've you've painted yourself into your yeah, two of jeff's religious beliefs now conflict with each other basically this is uh, the definition of being hoisted on my own petard yes by your own uh yeah tail absolutely basically absolutely yeah. that's what's happened is your navi tail just <laughs> twisted uh, up uh Je- jeff's desire to be unsullied coupled with his desire uh, to champion Avatar 2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're having a crash course for each other on May 6th, basically. And that's how you make a Navi baby. The great yeah. uh, the great irony, fellas, is that, uh, you know, the, the line we all quote, we all know, we all remember by heart, I see you, uh-huh. and yet I can't see it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is, that is incredibly ironic in a very self-enforced, unnecessary way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if only there was something not stopping you, you know, from from just I mean, I will watching. tell you, I'm I'm very tempted because I know it's going to be a teaser. I'm Jeff, sure it's going to be really let great. Go. Just do it. Let us, just do it. Let Jeff. us celebrate. Embrace the what is it called? Um, home tree. You know, like let's just <laughs> embrace the home tree. Yeah, come with me and the omatakaya. I think is what it's called. <laughs> uh, you know. I'll just say, I'll just say, if you can stop pronouncing it Pandoria after the trailer debuts, I'll call it a win. Okay, <laughs> let's we'll make a deal. You don't need to watch the trailer; just stop saying Pandoria, and I, you know, uh, we're good. Man, I I'm tempted to just just have have a, have a grand viewing of the trailer with you guys and, and have a good Do time it. of it. Yeah, Do it. Not since the teaser, the trailer for Waterworld, will we like have a cinematic <laughs> moment like this? And I actually remember that. Yeah, that was Waterworld. Really yeah, Water Kevin Costner coming off yeah. of uh, coming off of Dances yep. with Wolves. It was his new directorial. Wow, fo- it was a big deal. Follow up. Yeah. That was a really interesting uh, trailer. It was like Costner on a boat, and like it oh, was yeah. an amazing trailer. It was it amazing. was a good trailer. It was an incredible trailer. No, people, young people, don't <laughs> have any recollection of the series of events that happened. That it, it, it feels to me were very connected, which was. Waterworld cost uh, an an obscene amount of money. Yes, had, don't don't film on water, people. Yeah, had all these these disruptions, had all these problems. Set reports were coming. I mean, this is pre-internet, but it was still reported wildly because it was Kevin Costner, who was one of the biggest stars on the planet. He directed Dances with Wolves, which won all these Oscars, and he was directing this again. And it was going to be this massive thing, and it was huge. And then Titanic was the same story. All of the problems, all of the shooting on water, all of the mm-hmm, ballooning mm-hmm. budget, right? all of the death knell, the death knell for James Cameron. It was going to be the worst thing ever. It was going to be the, and then Titanic comes out and is the, and I felt like it was a direct continuation of the Waterworld storyline. Mm-hmm. It was like the same storyline. It is story true line. that everyone who's ever bet against James Cameron has lost. That's true. You know, I'm, I'm not betting against James Cameron. I'm just saying like, it is, it is astonishing. Like the, the story to get us to these movies, guys, like how do you make the biggest movie in the world and be like, I'm, I'm good for over a decade while also still saying I'm working on several sequels. It's uh, it's ridiculous. It's interesting. It's interesting. It's, it's interesting. confident. So, and by the way, uh, Costner did not direct Waterworld. He didn't. It was Kevin. No, it was Kevin Reynolds. Mm. Yes. Yeah. But still, I stand by what I said. But I bet like, he probably did direct it in some ways to Vindra. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, it was like, like all yeah. those, I mean, I remember being, I remember reading all those crazy reports of how awful it was and how, you know, <laughs> 
Yep, yep. Wild time. That's a good trailer. Everybody go watch that trailer. I have I have a feeling the the new Avatar trailer may evoke some of that, right? It will be yeah. I want to be amazing. Mm-hmm. I want to rewatch Waterworld because yeah. you know, Dan Trachtenberg still holds that movie in very high esteem. And I haven't seen that movie in actual decades. There's your After Dark. At some that's point. A, that sounds like a good rewatch movie, Canada. I'm up Three for hours it. of Waterworld. I'm up yeah. for it, Jeff. Let's do it. Maybe let's do it while Devendra's out. Unless you want to be in Devendra. Do you... I kind of want to be in. All yeah, right. All right. We'll, we'll do a Waterworld. Maybe, guys, May 6th, okay? Doctor Strange, After Dark, uh, Avatar 2 trailer discussion. Or actually, no, we'll do that during the main episode. And then mm-hmm. After Dark, we'll do a Waterworld discussion, maybe. You know? Yeah. Be good. You want to you juice that Patreon? Let's talk about the trailer <laughs> in the After Dark, baby. Yeah, actually, that's not a bad <laughs> idea. That's not a bad idea. Okay. Speaking of which, patreon.com slash film podcast. That's how you can support the show. Okay. Uh, before we get to what we're watching, let's go through a couple of emails. It's been a while since we've done some emails. Emails. Emails from the. Emails from the. Email back. All righty. You can I always write that. into I, us. I love yep. that little. Little, 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 little at the very beginning of that. It's very it. nice. It's very nice. Um, okay. Slash filmcast at gmail.com is how you can email us. A uh, bunch of kind of like people dropping recommendations recently. So I'm just going to, I'm going to read some recommendations and then uh, we can react to them. Okay. So this one comes in from Michael. Michael writes, writes in slash filmcast gmail.com. I know none of you are fans of the first season of Picard. That's totally understandable. It was, it was a messy season. But I strongly recommend that you give season two a try. It's totally more consistent with the next generation and much more focused. Terry Metalis is now the showrunner and he's doing some interesting time travel stuff. Lots of buzz around it and it's greatly improved. So I wanted to pass along the recommendation. It yep. comes in from Michael S. I've, I have uh, also heard great things about Picard season. I, I've heard, yeah, I've heard it's not great. And Picard season two is actually pretty good. What did, do you guys did you guys see any of uh, the first season? The I first did. I watched two a few episodes? episodes. Yeah. And then I watched Red Letter Media's review of them and it seemed yeah. like it was pretty rough. <laughs> Some of the worst television I can I can recall. Oh my god. In recent it was not great. And Demetra so, likes most things. He's very generous to most I things. I don't I don't actually like most things. You do like <laughs> to say that a lot, Dave. Uh because I talk about the things I like typically. But I'm saying I'm saying you're no. a generous person. I'm trying to it's it's meant to be a compliment. It's not supposed to be a slam. Yeah, but no, you, no, you're I hear from people person. that I hate everything. So <laughs> at least judging from my Twitter feed. <laughs> Well, fair enough. But yes, have you seen any of Picard season two, Devin I've not. I'm just saying it's really, it's interesting because it's like, okay, I kind of want to get this a shot. I don't want to touch season one at all. Do I just jump into this now? Well, yeah, I well, that's what I've heard is that yeah. you don't need to watch yeah. season one. I'm think, yeah. I think I'm probably was, just going to jump into it. That's my, sure, that's my thinking sure. of what I'm going to do. So. And I hear Discovery this season is a lot of fun too. So I am, I'm looking forward to getting back on that at some point. Uh, Jeff, do you think you're going to... Give, give Picard season two a shot. Yeah, what do you think? So much to watch. Yeah, uh, so much. I, and I, I, like you guys, I, I watched two episodes of Picard season one with such high expectations, mm-hmm. such joy and and anticipation in my heart. And, it, you know, I feel like, you know, fool me once. Shame on everybody. But, yeah, you know, I, <laughs> not this emailer is not the only one to have said this, that that season two is, a, is like a 180 degree turn. So, Maybe I'll let you guys uh, test those waters for me and see if if you agree. All right. Mm-hmm. I'll try to dip into it. But yeah, I've heard a lot of chatter about season two, and I've heard it's pretty good. So uh, I am looking forward to checking it out. Hey, it's Jeff jumping in here with our sponsor, Fast Growing Trees. Spring and summer are the seasons for finally getting outdoors, for entertaining, pool parties, barbecues, sunshine, lovely stuff. But you know what? If your yard... Looks like a plant cemetery. You're not going to enjoy it nearly as much. Get your place 
looking like a resort. Easy with fast-growing trees. When it comes to caring for your plants, knowing how matters. That's why FastGrowingTrees.com's experts curate thousands of plant varieties that will thrive in your specific climate, location, and with your specific needs. There's no waiting in lines, and there's no messy cars from hauling plants all over town because you order online or over the phone, and your plants are shipped to your door in one to two days. Plus, their growing and care advice is available 24-7. Whether you're looking for increased privacy, shade, or adding some natural beauty to your yard, fast-growing trees have the perfect plants and the expertise to help you find them. Even if you're like me and you've never had a green thumb, they'll make you feel like you do. A million home gardeners have already seen what FastGrowingTrees.com can do for them. And I love it because I just moved to a completely new climate, to Colorado, a state I'd never lived in before. And I used FastGrowing Trees to find out the right plants to put around my home to thrive in this environment. Plus, with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, you can trust everything will be healthy for years to come. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash filmcast right now and you'll get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash filmcast. That's F-A-S-T-G-R-O-W-I-N-G-T-R-E-E-S dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. All right, let's get to another email. Um, so this email comes in from Erica, and this is just a funny email that tickled me, so I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, Erica writes in, quote, I've just found you and love your conversation so much. I just listened to your 600th episode, so that was like over a year ago, the top 10 of 2020. So curious as to where Fire Saga was going to end up on your list. Imagine me smiling ear to ear as you climb closer and closer to the top of the list, then laughing at my futile, gleeful hope that Devinder would choose it for his number one. I'm still <laughs> smiling, even though it didn't even garner your honorable mentions. The movie made me smile ear to ear all the way through. I recommend the film to a friend who said he watched it grinning from ear to ear all the way through. Rachel McAdams is so lucid and sincere throughout the flashing color of delicately cut Diamond. Not sure what you meant there. The Icelanders, <laughs> the Elves, Dan Stevens, Yaya Ding Dong, the sing along, the climactic Oscar nominated song. There is so much joy and tickling surprise. It would be so fun to hear you all review it in an episode of Quirky Joy Bombs. Thank you. Yeah, I thought we talked about yeah, it. Yeah, we somehow. talked about we that. Did talk we? About yeah. it. we did talk about it. I think we all liked it. it. We all had fun with yeah, it. Yeah, that's fine. I know people who love that movie, and I kind of wish it was that sort of like transcendent, uh, you know, comedy for me. And it just, it wasn't. So, you know, uh, you know, Eric is talking about Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga, which is available on Netflix right now. And uh, I think we enjoyed it well enough. Uh, I, I just thought it was funny that here's Erica listening to our top 10 episode from like over a year ago, hoping that any of us put it in our number, number one. She loved the movie that much Aww. that she wanted to write in about Eurovision Song Contest. That, the that's the sort of passion we want to inspire, though. So, you Indeed. know, that, that yes. is what we want. I think if 100%. I had seen that movie, um, that was like a pandemic movie too, right? So we didn't, we saw that at home. Yes. Um, June of I'd 2020. Well, yeah. Devin, I think you'll agree that y what she wants us to feel about that movie, you and I feel about Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Oh, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. To me, that is a work of art. And That's a the movie. That's genius. the movie. Yeah. At least for the two of us. That, yeah. Yeah. 
All right, let's uh, hear another email. This is from David from Sweden, writing into slashfilmcast.gmail.com. David writes, I want to tip David and the others about this site where you can go log and rate your TV shows. I love Letterboxd, but I miss the function to log TV shows. People often ask me what shows or movies I watch lately and if I can recommend something. And if I can't log it, I tend to forget about it. So check it out and see if it's something for you. I'm not affiliated with the site in any way, just a normal user that hopes it gets as popular as Letterboxd. So he uh, recommends the site. It's called Serialized.com. Have you guys heard of Serialized.com? It's it's spelled the way you think it was, except with no E at the end. So it's Serialized, uh, no E between there. Um, I am in, I have a, like a pretty uh, solid presence at Letterboxd. I, I log everything I watch at Letterboxd. Uh, and I find it to be a very kind of joyful experience. Like it's a joyful community sure. for the most part. Yeah. Um, except when I say, <laughs> any, I once wrote a review of that documentary about Hillary Clinton that I really enjoyed. And I got completely bombarded with all kinds of hate for saying anything nice about Hillary Clinton. Um, that was my only unpleasant experience at Letterboxd. <laughs> but uh, I, I find Letterboxd to be quite enjoyable. Um, but it's already quite an effort to keep up with like logging everything I'm doing on Letterboxd. Letterboxd doesn't have a good functionality for TV. Yeah. Um, and so Serialize is, is apparently one of the uh, decent services, but like, I, I think, I don't think I can yeah. participate because it, it's just, kinda just too much work for me. Built in. Like I don't, I don't like logging You want it stuff. to be built into like a TV app or something Just like, like that. You, yeah. You're following everything I'm doing. You see what I'm doing. You're <laughs> selling it to advertisers. Just make it useful to me. Please, you know, give me a nice little list of everything I've watched. That's not so hard. Apple's already kind of doing it. And I feel like that that is kind of the key I've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a cool idea. You know, I like the Letterboxd community. They seem like cool folks. Jeff, you do any uh, TV or movie logging? No, I don't. And just your comment that it has made it so much easier for you to do your end of the year top 10 has uh, made me... Uh, Made me feel like maybe I should be doing that, but mm-hmm. I it is it, it feels like a chore. It feels like a chore. I I appreciate yep. the the joy that you say you get from it, but to me it yeah. feels like an obligation. I've made I understand. I I can totally understand, and that's why for many years I didn't use it. You know, yeah. like and also I, they had a Letterbox had a bad mobile app or like no mobile app for a while too. Right, right. Know, it, so. I would say many of the early issues with the site have been dramatically improved since my time there. Uh, or since I started using it, which was like, I think it was like a decade ago or something like that. We started, we started using it or mentioning on this podcast. Um, and I used to feel that way, Jeff, I was gonna say, I used to feel that way. And I think honestly, one of my favorite activities now is watching a movie and then writing and or reading the letterbox reviews for that movie. Because basically the, the fun thing is that the letterboxed algorithm elevates reviews that are like widely liked and often they're quite funny or insightful or witty in some way. Um, and so it's just kind of like a, a fun experience to use it. So uh, I really enjoy it. I, I'd recommend it. Um, and uh, you, you know, you can start with just logging it. Like yeah. you don't need to even do a star rating like or a review, just log it and see how that feels. But I'd recommend you give it another shot. And I think you could probably get a good following on there as well if you wanted to. Well, I tell you this, I, I kind of understand what you're talking about because for the longest time, for years of my life, I was very diligent about my Goodreads account mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and logged every book that I read on, on Goodreads and um, wrote reviews and really cared about what I wrote. Not not for anybody else, just to have a record for myself mm-hmm. of of what I felt about a book when I was finished with it. Like the moment I finished with it, I rushed over to Goodreads to 
write my review. Um, but even that just felt like, you know, the first time you write, read a book and then don't review it and then move on to another book. And then like, it's like, oh, I can't, ugh, I can't go back. Like the I get it. If the objective is to make a compendium of all your activity, then you've already failed. And why continue? Right. right? Exactly. And then now you're behind the eight ball at a certain point. Yeah. It's just like, well, I'm never, I'm never going to catch up. Well, standing offer, guys, if you ever want to get on Letterboxd, I'm happy to, you know, uh, boost your stuff. Would love to see you guys join because it's a very fun community. So that's cool. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd recommend checking it out. Anyway, also, uh, again, the recommendation from David Lindbergh is serialized without the E. I feel like that title is going to just uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> website people, but that's rough. Uh, that also, really rough. Cracked TV. Yeah, one. there are a lot of those. T R A K T dot TV seems to be one of the uh, other well reviewed ones. Um, but yeah, those are a couple ones for TV. Unfortunately, Letter Letterbox doesn't have a really good TV functionality yeah. right now, so kind of sucks. But um, but I like it. Actually, kind of makes it easier to use in some ways that it doesn't have TV. You know what I'm saying? Like it just is mm -hmm. more. It's fewer options, more pure, more focused Man. that way. Anyway, T TV is two letters. You could do so many things ar around just that. For your TV tracking website, folks. <laughs> Davinder really is hung up on this serialized. I'm just, I, I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't even find it because, uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, spell it the way no human would. And it's not even in like a cute uh, startup name way. But okay. Okay. All right. Let's do one last email. This one comes in from Charlie who writes in, um, quote, just listening to you talk about movies being made about living evil people and how the people would be happy a film will be made about them, as you did in episode 660. It made me wonder if Dave was planning to watch Nitrum, which is about Martin Bryant, who committed a very terrible crime in Australia. Um, and I'm not going to read the rest of this email because there's more details in there. Uh, but he says it's made by Justin Kurtzel, who also made Snowtown, which Dave has mentioned watching and appreciating. I haven't watched uh, either the trailers or the movie, but Nitrum looks very good. Normal person me, normally a person like me is against the movie being made and doesn't believe for a second that it's an important film, quote unquote, as some have said in the media. But the film lover in me thinks it looks great and wants to see it. I'm torn. I'd be interested to hear you talk about it on the show, end quote. Uh, so I just wanted to use hmm. this as an opportunity to say, hey, Justin Kurtzel, here's a guy who consistently cranks out interesting work. I don't. Cool I don't dude. love all of his movies. Yeah, but... I hated Assassin's Creed. Uh, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was okay. Disappointing. That's an exception. I mean, you guys yep. haven't seen this. Have you seen Snowtown? So, yeah, no. it was good. Snowtown Murders is really good. Um, chilling. That's a chilling. Oh yeah. Movie. Yeah. There are images in Snowtown Murders that haunt me to this day. Mm -hmm. um, Macbeth, not a movie I love, but it was at least interesting visually. Yeah. Uh, I, he he's interesting enough that I'd watch anything he does. So I have not heard of this new project, and yeah. I'm down to check it out. True History of the Kelly Gang, another movie that came out recently that mm -hmm. uh, had some great things about it, and apparently he's working on the new TV series based on Shantaram, the book. Oh, uh, wow. So. Yeah, I think uh, interesting guy, very it's talented director. Uh, so just wanted to kind of give him a shout out. Nitrum is a movie that is not streaming anywhere in the United States. What you have to do is you have to sign up for an Australian streaming service called Stan through like some kind of VPN service in order to stream it. So that's unfortunate that it's not distributed in the US yet, but maybe it'll come to the US at some point in the I'm future. A, he, he is like enough of a... And I see release coming March 30th, 2022. So something's oh, coming soon. So yeah. within days, maybe. What, what a fortuitous days. email. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Justin Kurtzel, cool guy. Cool guy. Uh, or at least very cool director. I, I like a lot of his stuff. And Nitrum, I'm planning to check that out. Thanks for the recommendation. All right, folks. Let's get to what we've been watching, shall we? So I watched a bunch of stuff. That was pretty cool. First of all, I had a chance to watch Deep Water. 
guys heard of Deep Water starring Ben oh, yeah. Affleck? Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> how, how deep do those waters go, Dave? Uh, I'm going to quote, here's the, here's the plot summary. Uh, a well-to-do husband who allows his wife to have affairs in order to avoid a divorce becomes a prime suspect in the disappearance of her lovers. <laughs> that is the plot for Deep Water. Now, this is the first Adrian Lin movie in, I think, what, 10 years? He's been, it's been yeah. a while since Adrian Lin made a movie. Until, until he had that burst of inspiration. twenty Actually, 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. Un, it's unfaithful, been a while, yeah. Unfaithful has not been in theaters for 20, has not, did not come out in theaters for 20 years. How old is he now? Uh, he was born in 1941, so he's, I guess, almost 80 years old. Um, okay. So, Adrian Lin, he's the guy who directed movies like Nine and a Half Weeks, Fatal mm-hmm. Attraction, Indecent Proposal. Yeah, yeah, Jacob's Ladder, you know, like... I, I don't know if I'd call all those classics, but there's so, certainly they're all cult classics. Infamous. You know? Infamous, yeah. Many of them, yeah. The, the thing about Deep Water that I kept seeing is this is an erotic thriller that is neither erotic nor a thriller. That's what a lot of reviews <laughs> kept saying about it. And I think that's mostly true. There is some sex in the movie, and it is kind of graphic. Ben Affleck plays the guy. Anna de Armas plays the woman uh, in this couple. Um, This movie, I would argue, is is kind of so bad it's good. You know, this is one of those movies that's kind of so bad it's good because... But I heard for, it was too boring for that. But it, yeah, it's, pretty boring. it's pretty boring. It's pretty boring. Not very much happens in the movie. You gotta, be, um, you gotta at least be entertaining on a like ridiculous level if you want to be so bad it's good. There, you know? there are yeah. enough ridiculous things in the movie that I think it, it is kind of so bad. Don't watch this expecting a really engaging erotic thriller. That's what I would say. Um, but, I, I mean, a couple of thoughts on this. First of all, mm-hmm. it's... Wouldn't this be mortifying, guys? Can you imagine, like dating someone and then like they make an a quote-unquote erotic thriller of you guys and then like later you break up but then the movie still comes out well, like yeah the way you position that is that you had no agency in that decision process <laughs> you know they made it of you they made this erotic thriller of you like when you weren't looking no <laughs> no you you they decided made it that, yeah, I guess when they when they sign yeah. on to the movie, it's like, hey, we might break up and, and still have this kind of yeah. relic of this if time. Only, if only he had had that experience one time before in his life. <laughs> Perhaps in the most infamous example ever imaginable. Yeah. Ever imaginable. Multiple t- How could he possibly time, yeah. have known that that was a bad idea? Also, pretty sure these uh, the, the people start dating while they're making these movies, right? So. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, just, it's just hard to watch this movie and not think about the real life relationship. And like, is like, does yeah. this in any way mirror Listen, among, among the this? Affleck relationships? The Anna de Armas uh, season ranks really low <laughs> to me, like in terms of interest. And I love Anna de Armas, but yes. she, you know, they all deserve better. Sure. Yeah. I mean, here, this here's is the, a, this is the eyes wide shut of the Affleck career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, not not nearly that interesting, unfortunately. I mean, okay, here's here's why this movie's hilarious. And I assume you guys don't care if I describe some very basic Please. details, right? Please go on. Here's why this movie's hilarious. is because Anna Darmus and Ben Affleck are married in this movie, right? And uh, and she cheats on him regularly and out in the open. But the sure. problem is but he's all, into of, it, right? all of the dudes that she cheats on him with vanish mysteriously. <laughs> <laughs> So like it's like oh you, hey what happened to that guy that you you know you were cheating on oh oh he uh, he vanished without a trace like no one ever heard from him again and then like throughout the course of the movie and in not a very long time period I should add it seems mm-hmm. like all this stuff is happening within weeks you know all these guys enter their lives and she's like making out with them and cheating on the on you know 
in front of Ben Affleck, in front of their friends. Ben Affleck is basically like a cuck in this movie, right? <laughs> yeah. It, it sounds like Adrian Lynn like, was Please. really... Yeah, I think he was like, maybe he was like, I got to make a cuck movie, but also a cuck <laughs> murder movie. Yeah. No one's done that before. Yeah, well, without giving away whether or not Ben Affleck actually killed any of these people, suffice to say, if, you know, this is the question that this movie permits you to ask is, if you, if Anna de Armas was into you, but you knew that if you dated her, you had a chance of vanishing forever, possibly under deathly circumstances, would you still uh, hook up with her, right? And I think for a lot of guys, the answer is, hmm. Huh. Hmm. Worth, yeah. worth, uh, hmm. worth it. Worth considering. Um, yeah. So this that's is basically of... the couple from the devil all the time, as a as a whole movie. Mm. That's what it kind of sounds like. Wow, n- nice uh, deep cut there from the devil all the time, Devendra. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so, so you're saying, Dave, that it's Anna de Armas, not Anna de Harmless, right? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> wow, I, I can't believe you just extemporized that. Jeff. <laughs> anyway, so. That part is, it's it's hilarious that it's like, you know, if one of her ex-lovers disappeared, it would be like very notable. But like the movie absorbs multiples, right? Uh, and so that's just, that's in on its face hilarious. But also like not very much happens in the movie. It's a lot of brooding. Um, ben Affleck is really into snails. Mm. Uh, that's like his one hobby. He's like, has a snail farm, mm. uh, which is apparently a reflection of the fact that Patricia Highsmith, who wrote the book, Right. Uh, was into snails as well. The, and so, the most like, erotic. Gave him that, yeah. that, um, uh, that, you know, that hobby. Uh, so if, if that sounds all really weird and strange, it is. Uh, and, you know, Ben Affleck just looks absolutely miserable in this film. And so <laughs> it's... I think uh, that's the draw for a lot of people. Like between all all the, yeah, like, uh, you know... It's that meme come stuff. to life, right? Yeah, exactly. Affleck it's meme. sad Affleck. The, 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 it's sad you know, Affleck, yeah. The, I think that Ben Affleck in many ways represents the American condition. <laughs> you know, here's a guy. Ben Affleck in this movie or Ben Affleck in uh, the Ridley both, Scott movie? Both. Yeah. He's, also fil- he's also quote unquote rich as fuck in this movie as well. Yeah. We, but he's uh... rich as fuck in real life. And here's a guy who uh, is very good looking, uh, has had one of the most successful careers in Hollywood for a leading man ever. Yep. Good and, writer. Uh, has good like writer. just, yeah. you know, uh, like dated the most beautiful woman alive. And apparently still has a lot of, you know, substance abuse issues and uh, is often just real, you know, like in the past has had difficulties finding happiness. Are you talking Um, about his character or him in real life? That's what I'm saying. It's like, Mm. it's kind of both. So that's that's kind of the the appeal Mm. of the movie in some ways is you're seeing kind of some element of Affleck in this, I think, at least. Anyway. Sexy mollusks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you want to see Sad Affleck and Sexy Mollusk, are they mollusks? Deep Water on oh, who is the movie for you? I'm a snail a mollusk. I think that's I, right. Yeah. I, the only I've other thing such. I wanted to mention is, uh, and some people have commented on it. Erotic thrillers continue to be made, mm. but they do not have the same cultural cachet. Uh, Basic Instinct when it came out. Uh, you know, that movie was a cultural phenomenon when it was released in 1992, right? Well, that m- there's one big reason why. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm saying it grossed $350 million worldwide. It yeah. was a huge hit, yeah. huge success. I mean, it's that movie's a lot of fun beyond that one reason. For, so, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And But like now, uh, now, Erotic Fatal Thrillers continue to be made. Benedetta mm-hmm. was just released recently. You know, like it's not like these movies don't exist anymore, but they do not have 
sort of sort of cultural relevance anymore. Uh, and I don't know that that's a bummer. I'm not like super sad about that, but I do think it's worth noting. So yeah, yeah. Jeff, yeah, fatal, fatal Attraction is another example of a major like cultural touchstone. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you came know, out it's, in basically if it's got Michael Douglas in it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, in general, we don't like uh, seeing erotic thrillers on the big screen anymore these days. Um, well, so uh, you get porn on your phone in two seconds. You exactly. Know? So yeah, it's yeah. Like yeah. Well, I I only watch the erotic thrillers for the plot, Davindra. So uh, sure. I don't know what that's about. That's why I watch porn. More snail action. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's deep water. It's streaming right now on Hulu. Check it out. I guess if you're looking for a movie that's so bad, it's good. Hey, I got to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Theragun. Wow. I love Theragun. You've probably heard me talk about it before. It's something my wife and I use almost every night. Do not let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete, I'm sure there's lots of elite athletes listening to this podcast. Totally plausible. Or someone like me. Not an elite athlete, but just trying to make it through my day tension-free. Theragun can help. Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun, it doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or treat an injury or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future or a prop from a sci-fi movie. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. We, my wife and I, we use it religiously, man. This thing, just from sitting at my desk at my computer all day, I get sore. My shoulders hurt. My back aches. Just a couple of minutes using the Theragun on each other relieves all that stress and discomfort. It is like magic, this thing. It's amazing. We got one for my wife's father as well as a gift because we love it so much. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers. And me, I'm telling you, I use this thing. You should too. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at $199. And go to therabody.com slash filmcast right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun Today, that's Therabody, T-H-E-R-A-B-O-D-Y dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, Therabody dot com slash Filmcast. All right. I also had a chance to watch another film, uh, Windfall on Netflix. I'm so bummed you... I didn't get a chance to watch this before this yeah, week. This I knew you were going to yeah. watch it, and I wanted to watch it, and I didn't just couldn't <laughs> fit it in. Uh, I understand. Um, and I really like this movie. This movie has gotten very mixed reviews. So Windfall is the latest film by Charlie McDowell. Charlie McDowell directed The One I Love, which I think is a movie all of us enjoyed, right? Mm-hmm. Adore that movie. Yeah. I actually did not see his follow-up movie, The Discovery. Did you guys watch The Discovery? Uh, I think I did. Yeah, I did. It, it is not as good. Not I as think, good. Okay. Not as good. Well, I, I will respect the fact that you guys have not seen this movie and probably are going to watch it and give away basically nothing about the plot. Good. Um, but uh, I'll say I quite enjoyed it. I, I thought it was... Uh, very enjoyable, and uh, the reviews are quite mixed. 
but I certainly got enough out of it that I would recommend mm-hmm. watching it. And so I think J- you guys Jason Segel, and- Jesse Plemons in a movie together, you know, like with with Charlie McDowell weirdness. That's an instant watch for me. I agree. Yeah, I, and I, I, also, I, I guys, watch mm-hmm. this. Jesse Plemons is so good in this movie. Like, mm, I'm, not, I'm not even going to tell you what is good about the performance. I'm just going to say I have never seen Jesse Plemons like he appears in this film. <laughs> And it's awesome. He's so good. Uh, it is worth watching this movie, no exaggeration, just to see Jesse Plemons' performance. So That's cool. Anyway, check it out. And then, Jeff, maybe if you watch it uh, next week, we can talk about the plot a little bit more. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. I will be watching it this week. It literally by was, the writer I almost seven? watched it today. Weird. Uh, yeah, uh, but it's kind of a Hitchcockian you know, uh, homage in some ways. Uh, but anyway, Windfall is the name of the movie. It's on Netflix. Uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more about it next week, but I would recommend you check it out. I enjoyed it. And if you haven't checked out Charlie McDowell's other work, uh, the one I love is also highly enjoyable. So good. I had a chance to check out Master, streaming right now on Prime Video. This is a movie that, Devendra, I know you loved coming out of mm-hmm. uh, Sundance. I liked it. Didn't love it. Um, it you know, I, uh, it's about... Basically, a woman played by Regina Hall who achieves the uh, ranking or position of uh, master at a yeah. elite Northeastern University. Like a dean of students Yeah, type it's kind of role. like a dean of yeah. some kind, you know, like a, a high-powered dean of some kind. And, uh, and it also follows uh, this woman named Jasmine, played by Zoe Renee, um, uh, who is a student at the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of like m- follows both of their challenges making their way through this elite college, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought about you a lot, actually, Devendra, when I was watching this movie, because uh, I think uh, your wife used to work in uh, at the school that we went to, right? And, yeah, doing uh, the work to deconstruct a lot of the things being discussed in this movie, yeah. Right, right, uh, exactly correct. I I really like this movie a lot uh, for the first two thirds because I think that when you look at a movie like uh, again Get Out, which I think you know this movie may be compared to, it's it's kind of taking like this racial commentary and kind of uh, taking it to kind of a supernatural level almost, and and drawing mm-hmm. the horror out of it. Um, and this movie does succeed at a lot of that. It's it really deals with a lot of microaggressions and amplifies them and kind of layers on a supernatural level onto them in a way that is very visceral and upsetting and tense for the audience. I do think it kind of falls apart in the final act. Uh, it throws just a bunch of stuff at the audience. Like from a pacing perspective, I think it's just very messy towards the end, but there's enough good stuff in this movie and Regina Hall is really good. And Zoe Renee are really good. was really good. And mm-hmm. um, I would ultimately recommend it, but I don't, quite feel like it stuck the landing that said the director uh mariama diallo i think is super talented and i can't wait to see what they do next but mm-hmm. devendra you you really like this right i i mean i love this movie uh maybe because i i felt like i related so much to it as well like going to a school that we went to dave that was uh let's just say very different culturally for me um certainly a very different place and i had to learn a lot of things but also seeing how um other kids of color and so definitely the kids who were the few like black kids who were at our school not treated so well by professors not 
a lot of the students like not knowing how to like interact with them. And like it is this movie is like dealing with like a very delicate and not so pleasant thing. But I think it's very accurate in terms of how it explores that. Uh, the supernatural stuff is like hit or miss for me in this yeah. one, but I think there's some great twists towards the end. Like there, there's like one kind of thing that is pretty mind blowing to me. And I thought it was pretty wild. Um, so I, I really enjoyed this as a work of horror that's exploring a hor- the actual horrors that exist in our world right now. Um, it is, it's really tough, but this movie is also super blunt. And I know a lot of people don't like that. So I've seen a lot of like, um, other takes on this movie where people just didn't take too kindly to it and totally get yeah, that. Yeah, you know. I mean, it it is a little bit, um, it's not subtle. It's not a subtle yeah. film, right? Um, but I think one of the things it does try to capture and do so successfully is uh, it, it captures what it feels like when you're at an elite institution like this and people look at you askance and, and, and treat you differently. Absolutely. Right? Uh, yeah. And they, they assume you don't belong or you made it there for dubious reasons. And like, how, how would that feel? How unsettling and disturbing and upsetting mm-hmm. and how much of like a cognitive tax would that be? Uh, to I to think, me, it was like, I think going to our college was the first time I encountered like true privilege you know, like interacting with peers, people like me, I I was used to like teachers who were like, kind of jerks or whatever, but interacting with other kids who come from completely different realities, right, where the struggles or the things I have to worry about, or my family had to worry about, are just like nothing to them, you know, and that their concerns are so different. And then just interacting in those, it was a very weird experience. And I'm glad I found people like Dave and other friends I made at the school, but it is going from, you know, a, a normal life to an elite school is a very, very weird thing, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I do think that the movie master does bring a lot of that to life. It mm-hmm. does really illustrate it vividly. And, uh, and I, I think it's pretty well made overall. Um, so I would recommend it, but yeah, the, the ending, I, really was not a fan of unfortunately so it, it felt like a gut punch yeah. to me like but yeah mm. it all hits all at once yeah. yeah interesting okay well that's master it's streaming right now on prime video that is what i have been watching Devin your hard or tell us some stuff you've been watching oh i've been uh watching dmz the new show uh by uh produced by eva duvernay and i believe she directed the first episode uh it's about uh, guys y- you know what's interesting to watch right now uh open warfare in america uh post-apocalyptic world uh manhattan turned into a demilitarized zone because there's another world war going mm. i feel like the timing for this show seems like a real pick-me-up to Vindra. L- a little rough right now <laughs> like just a lot of the things uh we are seeing in the news now that people in ukraine are dealing with like now it is just weird to like be exploring this uh, alternate reality where what if this happened in America and, you know, uh, our political instability right now, like toppled over into like true civil war. Um, anyway, I, I don't think the show is very good. And that's a shame because I hear the comic is really good. Yeah. Um, the show is about uh, Rosario Dawson's character who um, early on, like when they were like evacuating Manhattan, she lost her son in the shuffle. It's several years later. She, her mission is to like go back into this demilitarized zone where everybody in Manhattan has basically like um, aligned themselves as like warrior gangs, like gangs from the warriors. Um, So (laughs) in different neighborhoods, uh, you know, broken up by ethnicity, um she has to like go through this uh post-apocalyptic hellscape to find her son 
and what she likes, you know, what she finds, she may not like, you know, the, the typical stuff. This series feels really, really weird because um, I've heard there was a lot of like pandemic uh, production issues. It is only four episodes. So it's basically a miniseries and they, they had planned for like an actual full season, but I, it seems like between production and dealing with the pandemic and everything, like they had to really scale down what the show is actually about. So what it's really about is Rosari Dawson going back and trying to find uh, her son. Uh, Benjamin Bratt is also in the show and I, I love him. I love seeing him in anything. And he stars as like the, uh, one of the like top warlords uh, or gangsters, gang lords in the, uh, in the DMZ and they have a connection and just like that, that kind of interaction I think is really interesting, but guys, we just got done with uh, station 11 and station 11 was like such a perfect, like little miracle, even though it was about like the end of civilization. But to me, it felt like the perfect thing to watch right now. Um, even though that first episode is rough and this show just, doesn't it feels underwritten uh i don't quite i don't know who rosaria dawson's character is you could really tell like they basically had you know an outline for a whole season and they just like lopped off entire episodes entire arcs or something so it just feels like this weird half-baked uh type of thing it's also strange to me how much like hbo just loves this genre right now right like from station 11 to this they have last of us coming uh next year um it's just a thing that they're going to be going going relentless back to, i guess it's relentless. it's relentless have you read the comic jeff yeah dmz yeah i mean years ago but yeah i've and heard good things you yeah. liked it yeah i mean it's good it's uh you know it's uh dark but uh it was, yep i, I feel have like, no idea how close the the show gets to it but i, I didn't I, even know the show yeah, was being yeah. made i saw it yeah announced i was like is that the comic That's and then the comic yeah yeah there was very little uh, promotion for this, I feel. And, uh, you know, I, I think I can tell why. It just seems like they they made this thing and they just kind of shit it out, unfortunately. And rather than, like, sit back and retool it. Um, so that's a shame. I, I wanted more. I like seeing Rosario Dawson in, like, you know, action mode or at least tough girl mode. Um, and, like, it, it is a really interesting concept. It is very much like, uh, what's the Will Smith movie? Um, I Am Legend. I am legend. Like there's a lot of like, I am legend Manhattan here. Uh, not all of it looks great because uh, uh, the budget also didn't allow for like great uh, empty streets and whatnot, but conceptually like there, there's some things I really like here. It's just a shame. Like it just doesn't all work together. So I am, I'm not going to be finishing it. And this thing is four episodes. So that's <laughs> oh, brutal. Brutal. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's DMZ. It's on HBO max right now. Yeah. Uh, Devendra, what else have been watching? Also on HBO Max, I wanted to shout out something a little lighter and hopeful, and that is the show Takeout uh, with Lisa Ling, the journalist. I've heard about this. I've heard this is yeah. great. It's really cute. It's it's really great. And also, like, for a time right now where uh, I think Asian Americans are feeling like uh, things are a little rough out there, like uh, uh, Asian Americans are getting assaulted randomly in the streets. Randomly in the happening. streets. It's, yeah. uh, it's a terrifying time. And this is a show that is all about celebrating kind of the contributions of Asian Americans in, uh, to food in America. And I feel like it's just, I miss a good food show. I haven't like had a good food show, I think in a while. Um, certainly it's been harder to produce these things with the pandemic. Um, so just to have like a, a show that's exploring like different cultures, like the first episode is about, um, you know, the, the Filipinos who settled uh, around Louisiana, you know, and around new Orleans and how, they were they were kind of the first wave of Asians to hit uh, North America, 
because uh, uh what was it louisiana was a spanish colony the philippines were a spanish colony so there was like trade back and forth and, and eventually like some people just like escaped a spanish ship and settled around louisiana and uh became really really great shrimp traders and that kind of led to a lot of cuisine and everything we have down south and uh you know around louisiana so it's about like that cross-cultural you know a collaboration and the uh the like lingering impact of that too like you know a couple of filipino families in one town have have hundreds of descendants now throughout louisiana and it is just kind of wild to see that overarching influence um this is not like it's not like a typical food show it's more like the cultures behind the foods and everything and it's six episodes long they're really easy to watch and uh i think it's like a great celebration of food and culture and you know everything asian americans have brought to this country so i think it's worth a watch that's awesome. I've heard great things. I should I should check it out. Mm-hmm. You know, it it struck me. I I didn't read this stat until I don't know. Maybe college. Maybe it was later. But like, uh, at the time, it was like five percent of Americans are Asian. Now it's yeah. closer to seven yeah. percent. But nearly a hundred percent of people have eaten Chinese food at some point, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know anyone in my life who hasn't eaten Chinese food unless they have some health reason for it. So. It is kind of remarkable the the influence that Asians have had on uh, or sure. Chinese people have had on American cuisine. And I think food um, is a good way to explore like cult like culture in general mm, and how people relate sure. to each other. And I love I've loved all these shows because of that. Um, I, I miss every I miss the fact that Bourdain is not around anymore to yeah. do his thing because he was really my introduction into this type of like it's an anthropological exploration of cultures, you know, and it's really hopeful and it shows like how, despite all the issues we have uh, as humans at the end of the day, like people can agree or like learn to find some common ground over food. And maybe, you know, maybe there is some hope there. How do you guys approach uh, like food with your parents? And what I mean by that Mm -hmm. is like, do you guys have recipes from your parents that you're going to try to pass on to your kids? Like what's, do you have anything like that? Or do you think about that at all? Yeah. I mean, I, I copy down recipes from my mom because like the thing you will learn, uh, children of immigrants is that your parents do not have recipes, right? They're like, (laughs) throw, throw a little, this thing in here and a handful of that. No, no, no. You're doing it wrong. So tell me how to do it. My mom who is absolutely terrible at teaching her recipes. It's, uh, it's all of them. So (laughs) it's, I, I, I have like started writing up my own stuff. I found, um, you know, resources online. The good thing about like where we are right now with the internet, um, yeah, listen, the internet has helped to destabilize democracies and like <laughs> things are really rough right now. But you can find like good recipes that are similar to like what your parents probably cook. Um, for me, it's like good Guyanese cooking. Uh, there's like one website called Alika's Pepper Pot. And she has like a lot of great recipes around that because our food is not quite Indian. And it's not the same as like other Caribbean foods. Like it's a very specific thing. And it's the internet. You can find anything these days. So I, I love that. I love that I could just find that and I'm making my own things to like pass on to my daughter. Um, and like, yeah, and my son, like they're, they're going to love cooking. Food is a big thing for us. Like my parents don't do like too many things for fun. Like they garden and then they cook a lot. So, you know, that's a thing we can all like find some common ground around. Yeah. Same, same. It's one of the only kind of points of connection I had with mm-hmm. my with my with my and parents. movies. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I get kind of. It's funny. It's you know what's what's been really awesome about the last couple of years is um, Netflix has invested so heavily in making their shows international 
that like I actually have a common set of things I can talk about with my parents now. Yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. they watch Netflix all the time because like everything on Netflix uh, that are is original has been translated into Chinese. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's been and pretty dubbed cool. too. Like if people yeah, want to yeah. do that, like you know, it's easy. You're like mom, dad, what'd you think of Deep Water? <laughs> <laughs> That's a Hulu show, Jeff. Hulu show. Oh, Hulu. Sorry, Jeff, how's your what, what's kind of your relationship with food and your parents? Well, I I have exactly the same situation. I'm just one more generation removed, right? Because um, I'm not the child child of immigrants. I'm the child of the child of immigrants. Um, my dad's parents both were born in Italy, and it is exactly the same. Um, mm-hmm. Ruined me for Italian food, uh, and <laughs> yeah, impossible. There was no. I mean, they're both passed on now, but there was no writing down recipes. There was no reading from recipes. It was just, you keep going until it's done. Uh, you know, you add things until it's right. Um, I, for years after my grandfather passed, I had the last jar of pasta sauce he ever made, uh, just held onto it as like a relic mm. because I knew I'd never get wow. his pasta sauce again. And, you know, we were at the, we had, went to an Italian restaurant the other night. Um, my mother-in-law was in town last week. We went to an Italian restaurant, and um, they said, "You know, we, you know, we should have dessert. It, it, we have an amazing cannoli." And I was like, "I, I can't. I'm not going to eat a cannoli at a restaurant. There's my <laughs> no one can make a cannoli. Like my my grandmother made cannolis, and it took her all day long, and it mm. took over the entire house, and it was a cultural event. And when we ate those cannolis." It was like kissing God, and I've never ordered a cannoli at a restaurant that's gotten even remotely close to that, right? It's just not possible. Um, so, you know, I, yeah, I, I mean, food, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge foodie. My that's wife and I both Jeff. love food and, you it's know, beautiful. Italian mm-hmm. and, you know, what, what, Thanksgiving dinner for me was pasta. That was Thanksgiving dinner, you know, my grandmother's <laughs> pasta, my grandfather's pasta. He would make... Uh, calamari and and sausage and peppers and uh pig's foot and like all these amazing amazing recipes that i will literally never taste again because they're just gone you know um and part of the part of the process of assimilation that they went through to come to america was like for example my grandfather who barely spoke english or spoke in very broken english uh, refused to teach his own children Italian um, mm, for mm-hmm. fear of discrimination, you know, yeah, because he yeah. worked in the steel mill when he got over here and he was ridiculed incessantly. So he, so he refused to teach. My dad doesn't speak Italian. Uh, and, you know, he grew up in a house where his father's native language, he did not speak. And I, I have a hard time even wrapping my head around that. Um, but, wow. you know, as a result, my sister and I don't speak Italian either. And I feel like it's a lost feel like there's a broken link in the chain which i you know i didn't appreciate as a little kid but now i do my, my parents were very kind of strict about not speaking too much chinese to me yeah. um which is you know uh feels weird now like i wish they had now but yeah right but, but as a kid time, you don't care you're like oh good i don't have to worry about it you know but at the time you know it's like it's because they wanted to make sure that i blended in right yeah um and could speak English. There well, is so. a cost for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tough, um, definitely. So, so Jeff, what happened to the jar of pasta sauce? I need to know. Oh, I mean, this was <laughs> 20 years ago now. <laughs> it is at a certain point I had to get rid of it, but it, um, it was uh, very heart wrenching when that moment when I, I never ate it. Uh, 
I just sort of, uh, I couldn't, you know, bring myself to, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kept it to the point where I'm like, it's probably not even good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think of keeping it just as a, as a key, just kind of as a bet to see how was, long you could hang on to it. I was going to, but I, you know, you, you know, you, you, can you like whack, like seal it in wax or something? To like, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I was like a college kid at that yeah, point, yeah. moving from place to place. Yeah, and yeah. you're point, like, I can't keep like, bringing I, around this. I, I can't just jar yeah, of rotting you know, sauce, basically. Yeah, at, the, at a certain point, it's a danger to my roommates. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Becomes a biohazard. But yeah, yeah. Well, thank you both for sharing. That was lovely. That was lovely to yeah. hear about. Um, and yeah, uh, the show is Take Out with Lisa Ling, and it sounds like it touches on at least some of this kind of stuff, right, Devendra? Mm-hmm. So, and it's on HBO Max. Hey, it's Jeff jumping in here to tell you about our sponsor, StoryWorth. You know, I thought I knew my dad pretty well. We have a pretty good relationship. And then one day we were chatting and I heard a story I'd never heard before. He mentioned something about his childhood, his youth. And it got me wondering, how many other stories don't I know? That's why I got my dad and my mom, StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones connect through sharing stories and memories and preserves them for years to come. Every week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you'd never thought to ask, like, what is one of your fondest childhood memories? Or what's the best advice you've ever received? I've really enjoyed reading through the answers of these questions from my mom and my dad. It's been amazing. These stories and, and memories I'd never heard before. And I've discovered new details about stories I thought I really knew. I heard them in my parents' own voices, from their own perspectives, in their own words. And they really took the time to make sure their stories were presented exactly as they wanted it. This process of getting a new prompt every week, both of them actually loved it. They found it a delight. And I got to keep up week after week. And then... After one year, StoryWorth compiles all of the questions and stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share for generations. This is something I'm going to pass on to my kids and hopefully their kids so they know about their grandparents. They hear their stories in their own words. Get to know your loved ones better and preserve those special moments forever with StoryWorth. Right now, for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash filmcast. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash filmcast. Uh, Devinger, do you want to give a quick shout out to Our Flag Means Death before we move on? Yeah, yeah. So just good. quick shout out. Um, yeah, we talked about the first couple episodes and I was like, yeah, this show's pretty good. Uh, now, like nearing the end of the season, I think the finale had already aired. I'm not fully caught up, but I do want to say this show is a must watch. It's so You okay. should all be watching this show. <laughs> so, okay. all right. Yeah, it, it was like a bit of a slow burn to start, but like it, it is it really like opens up in a way really quickly and uh, like slight spoiler, but it's, it's been all over the place. Like Taika Waititi plays Blackbeard in the show and he is having so much fun. Like it is, it is really a joy just to see like him uh, in this show and him being like a rock star pirate. So I think it's good. It's real good. And it gets even like it go past the first two episodes. I think by episode three, it's like a work of genius and I couldn't stop like binging. So I have a couple left and it's it's a brilliant thing. Everybody should be watching it. All right. All right. 
I'm adding it to the list. It's so good. Uh, mm-hmm. That's Our Flag Means Death. It's on HBO Max. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with some stuff you've been watching. Well, the wife and I were uh, definitely in the mood for lighter fare this week. Uh, so we were searching for some some shorter, the, the, the half hour, the the light, the comedies. Uh, and yeah. uh, we found some some winners. Uh, the comedies, which, as they're called. Yes. What's that? The comedies, as they're called. The comedies. Yeah. I think you that's know? what the kids call them. The comedies. The shorts and sweets. Uh, the, <laughs> the thing with the, the nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The technical term. I've only been doing the show. I don't know. Anyway, um, we took, uh, I believe it was Devendra's uh, recommendation and watched a little bit of Abbott Elementary. Woo, yeah, great. Uh, which fit the fit the bill in a very lovely way. Uh, it is it is fun. It is funny. It is well made. Uh, it very much is the office, but in an elementary school. Um, but it feels like. Uh, where the office is butting up against the incompetence of other people, uh, Abbott Elementary feels like it's butting up against the incompetence of the the system as a whole. Yeah, uh, it, it turns think, out we're not treating our kids well. Uh, no, uh, yes, it, yeah. it, it, literally every episode is like, "How can we afford pencils?" You know, yep. which is it's just so sad because uh, that's the reality for a lot of people. Um, but uh, I think I think um, if you're looking for a light, breezy, uh, fun, funny, well-made uh, half-hour comedy. You could do a lot worse. I think Abbott Elementary is is, is mm-hmm. quite good. I, I laugh out loud every single episode. Like it is so well done. I agree. Um, All right, uh, Abbott Elementary is streaming right now on ABC, or you can it's view on it Hulu. on ABC. And I Hulu. Think it, it's on I th- Hulu. It's oh, on Hulu. Okay. Yeah. And I think it. Uh, but it's like a networky network show. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we it talk just about uh, rarely here. <laughs> it just got renewed for season two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, great. Uh, yeah. Please. Very good. Deservedly show. so. It is. Uh, it's a nice show to put on and just you know relax. I mean, it it does have things to say. It's it's not uh, just not fluff, but it is also um, you know fun and funny and easy to watch. Mm-hmm. What else have you been watching, Jeff? Um, I also checked out. A new show from Amy Schumer called Life and Beth. And I love this show. I mean, it is, I believe the first episode is directed by Amy Schumer. It is written, created by starring Amy Schumer. And it is a show that has a tone that I have a hard time comparing to anything else. It is a mashup of such wonderful, quirky influences, it seems to me. It, it, is, it is smart, it is funny, it is bizarre and zany at times, absurdist, but also grounded and realistic. Uh, I laughed my butt off watching the show over and over and over. Um, there's, I'll give an example of one joke from an early episode. Uh, she's dating this guy, and uh, <laughs> she says, uh, "Oh, I'm gonna." I, he says, "You want to go to dinner tonight?" No, I'm, I'm seeing my mom. Oh, tell her I love her. She's like, <laughs> "You want me to tell my mom you love her?" Yeah, and that's like, and then the whole rest of the episode, she's like reckoning with <laughs> with that. Mm-hmm. Very funny stuff. I mean, I. I, uh, th- there are wonderfully absurd things. There are, um, uh, flights of fancy that, that happened in the show. I mean, it reminds me of, um, you know, forgive the reference because it's, it's verboten at this point, but, uh, it reminds me of what I loved about early Woody Allen. Um, 
but Amy Schumer is just so, so great and has such an interesting perspective. Um, yeah, I, I, I love this show. It, it has, it's about some really deep stuff too. Um, I mean, the show is called Life and Beth, and I think it lives up to that reference, you know, um, I don't want to spoil anything, but it is, uh, I, I think this is a real special show. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Cool. That's Life and Beth. And that is also streaming on Hulu right now, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, Jeff, anything else? You know how I love bringing up uh, stand-up comedy when I think it is excellent. Uh, I talked about um, the Ali Wong special just a couple of weeks ago. Checked out another stand-up comic whose first special or First to me, I don't know if it was her first special ever, but uh, no, she's definitely done other specials. If I'm not yeah, mistaken, uh, I, previous special, I should say, uh, was uh, very delightful. Uh, this is um, a young comic named Taylor Tomlinson, and her newest special is called "Look at You." Have you seen this, Dave? I haven't, but I am a fan of Taylor Tomlinson. I've really enjoyed her work. I think she's been she's, on Conan, and she's very funny. She's yeah. very funny, very funny, yeah. very smart, very insightful, and fearless. And this in particular is an example of that. This special is really focused on a topic that um, is taboo in, 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 you know, for good reason in a lot of cases, but also um, very difficult to mine comedy out of uh, and even at the risk of being insensitive. But it is the thrust of this special is about mental illness and being diagnosed with um, mental illness. And it is her own that she uh, talks about and talks about it in such stark, frank, funny ways. It, it is relatable. It is beautiful. It is, uh, you can, uh, it is emotional, but it's also whip smart and very, very funny. Um, it, it's an example of, of how really great comics can mine even, uh, you know, even the dark material, even um, sensitive material, and do it in a way that 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 doesn't really disrespect it and feels, uh, you know, effective and funny and um, kind of ex kind of makes you feel uh, more human, closer to to other mm. human beings, and empathetic as you're laughing. Uh, it's it's really lovely, and I highly recommend it. Taylor Tomlinson, look at you. Okay, and it's streaming right now on Netflix. Uh, yeah, this was on my list, but I think you've moved it to the top, Jeff. This seems I think like you'll an like it a lot, watch. David. It, yeah. It's very funny. Yeah, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Okay, those are the things we've been watching this week. Let's get to Weekly Plugs. <laughs> weekly Plugs, the part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. I've mentioned this a couple times, but... Somebody on the Slack filmcast wrote uh, a comment about this that I was just like, this is this is too juicy of an opportunity to pass up. Every Sunday morning on Twitter Spaces at around 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific time, uh, I do a Twitter space, which is basically like a live conversation you can listen in on with Scott Mendelson. Chris B. from the Slack filmcast had this to say about... These Twitter spaces. He wrote this this week. He said, quote, PSA, if you aren't already listening to Dave's weekly Sunday morning Twitter space with Scott Mendelson, where they discuss the latest box office results, you are missing out on quite possibly Dave's best content. Each week, we are treated to Dave querying why Scott's audio sounds so terrible. 
His voice pierces my eardrums and soul on many occasions. Asking if Scott has finished his breakfast, I'm eagerly anticipating <laughs> Scott cracking open a can of something and slurping it mid-recording one week, and general comments of, once again, Scott, you've jumped ahead, etc. If you think Dave's TikToks are mildly amusing, ouch, then this will blow your comedy mind. Sprinkled in between this and this Laurel and Hardy act is insightful and interesting commentary on the domestic movie box office. Come for the buffoonery, stay for the stats. It's a lot of fun. Wonderful review by Chris B from the Slack Filmcast. But yes, I, that fully captures what it is like to be in these Twitter spaces on Sunday morning. Uh, and so, yeah, this week we talked about uh, Batman, which has entered its third week. Guys, I don't know if you know this, Batman is the Batman is a... Massive success. It's made over three hundred million dollars. Uh, I heard. Turns out superhero movies are pretty popular, huh? I, I I no longer have any connection with what the American people want, guys. That's that's kind of my sense <laughs> from uh, from how success. Like, it's one thing if you guys love this thing and I don't. That's one. Thing. It's another thing if like, you know, this is one of the most successful movies of the last three years, basically. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, okay. I, just, I think that means I, that Devinger and I are the voices of a generation. That's right. Indeed. A hundred percent. We have our exactly, pulse. We have our yeah. fingers on the pulse. That's right. You know, you are fingering the pulse. That's right. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's my weekly Sunday Twitter space with Scott Mendelson. Check those out. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Dave Chensky to make sure you get them. Devinger Hardware, your weekly plug. I just want to shout out my Mac Studio review over at Engadget. I've got two of those bad boys sitting on my desk here. Uh, the M1 Max and the Ultra one. I have never had this much RAM on my desk, fellas. I have one computer <laughs> so here with RAM. 128 gigabytes of RAM. Another with 64 gigabytes of RAM. And it's like a, it's just a little box. It's a cute little box. I really like it. Uh, I did a video review as well. You can find that at our YouTube channel. So, yeah, check it out. It's a, it's a good computer. I'm working on the review of the display. And uh, that is a confounding display. Good. Yeah. Are, are you using it now to record? No. No. Okay. I'm you not crazy. You, you don't record podcasts. I'm not going to move my entire podcast setup over <laughs> to a review unit. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay. How dare I? How, how dare, dare I? I? Do you know how much work that is? I do you, know. Of actually. all people, no. I, I do know. It's, I'm not going to do that for fun. I'm doing the work I need to do to review this thing. <laughs> um, it's a very good computer, though. Like, if it were my main computer, then yeah, I, I could be recording the desktop and doing 8K rendering at the same time. No problem. Mm. I'm great. rendering 8K right now. That's why I sound terrible, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I ordered one of these like shortly after it was announced, and it will not ship until June. Is when wow uh, is when mine is shipping. So my, uh, uh, yeah. my mm-hmm. new iPad Air arrived today. Oh, nice, nice. Did yeah. you use that deal I sent you? I did. Thank you for that. By Excellent. The way. Excellent. Saved me seventy five dollars. I'm always looking out for you, Jeff. It's good deal. Between <laughs> between saving you seventy five dollars and mentioning those headphones that you then got sent, dude. I mean. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, a bounty that you're receiving because of the podcast. And, yeah. and me specifically, I would add. So, Well. No, I think it's me. Well, I think it's me, mostly. Yeah. I want to <laughs> yeah. think, actually, the person I need to think is Melissa M. Yes. Yeah. Melissa, Melissa M. M. M, you said? Yes, Melissa M. Thank you, Melissa. Uh, Melissa she's McCarthy amazing. sent you headphones? Wow. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, on an After Dark episode, we talked about, we recommended a set of headphones to Jeff. And uh, a listener, uh, Jeff, was very reluctant to buy these headphones that Devinger and I strongly recommended, but a listener uh, sent them to him gratis. And uh, yeah. have you tried them out yet, Jeff? I have not. I was waiting. I didn't want to sully them with anything less than my new iPad. So I, <laughs> I am, uh, I'm excited literally tonight oh when I get Oh, my God, Jeff. Come on, man. 
Well, um, you know, I'm going to pair them to th- something. I'm not going to pair them to something just to test them pair, out. Pair it to your phone. Yeah, That's you can pair it to your phone. That's what I'm going to use it on my phone. I've got an iPad. Here's what I'd actually recommend. I'm not even joking when I say the following. I would recommend <laughs> you get a, an Apple Music subscription, uh, e- even just a trial, like a seven-day trial or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you know I have that, Dave? Do you have it already? Is that yes. You, you know why? Okay. Why? Because I have children. <laughs> And uh-huh. children require music all the time. <laughs> well, will, sure, that's great. But they uh, will in- take your phone, and they will demand that phone play them whatever song they want mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. hear for the fifty hundredth time that day. Yeah, it could phone, be Spotify. It could be something yeah. It's going to be Spotify. That's the thing. Most people have Spotify is the thing. Uh, yeah. Spotify. Yeah. But the uh, I was very surprised. I usually don't kind of give credence to these kinds of things of like you know, lossless sounds better or anything like that. But the the difference in audio quality between Spotify and Apple Music is noticeable. Like, uh, my wife can tell that, you know, she doesn't really care about this kind of stuff at all. But like, we switched over to Apple Music recently and she can tell Apple Music sounds better. So pair it with your uh, your Apple Music, basically. Your, whatever device you're using Apple Music on, listen to you using those new headphones. And uh, I think you'll have a great time. I think you'll have a great time. So, Very excited. Uh, okay, you'll have to give us your review. Uh, Jeff, what else? Uh, what's your weekly plug this week? Well, my weekly plug is that it's uh, it's almost spring. You know what that means? If spring is in the air, it's a time for love. And you know what that means? If love is in the air, it's a time for poetry. And you know what that means? If poetry is in the air, you got to order a limerick. Limericks! That's right! Cameo.com slash Jeff Canada, where you can get your own fully unique made specifically for you, Bespoke Limerick. Just check out the numerous five-star reviews. I'm making limericks down in the mines, mining gems for you to present (laughs) to your loved ones. Folks uh, have been very, very, very pleased with the results. Uh, These are are pride of mine. Uh, I've done done a lot of them at this point. Check out the five-star reviews over at cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. How many limericks do you do a week at this point, Jeff, or, or or a month, whatever, however you choose to estimate? Um, it's not not a ton. I would say I'm usually averaging five a week. That's not. Oh my god, dude, a that's ton. a ton. Yeah, that's not that, that much. That's a ton. You're that's saying great. that's not a ton. That's a ton of limericks. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Very cool. Uh, so how, maybe, how can people climb aboard? Four, four, three, three, four, five a week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think Jeff needs more, right? I do like, need more. Yeah. Please pile them on. You're not, them you're not you're not overwhelmed with them, Jeff. Yeah. Jeff? What's that? I said, how can people climb aboard the limerick? Cameo.com you up for a nice little URL insertion right I there. said it about 40 times. Cameo.com slash. Oh, oh, so, oh Jeff sorry, Kamada. sorry, Jeff. I was just trying to just trying to help you out. Sorry, sorry about that. That's my yeah. bad. My bad. <laughs> Cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. That's spelled with two N's and one T. Be sure to check out Jeff Canada's cameos uh, and all the rest of the stuff we mentioned in our weekly plugs. I also want to give a few weekly plugs for this podcast. If you want to support the podcast, very easy to do that. All you got to do is go to patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Folks, this week is Koganata week. We are reviewing After Yang as our main review coming right up. But in the After Dark, we're also taking a look back at uh, Columbus which is a movie that I've been wanting to check out for quite some time. I heard great things yeah. about. It was really well-reviewed. 
finally have a chance to check it out, talk about it with the other fellas here on the Filmcast. And subscribers at patreon.com slash filmpodcast will get that episode exclusively. So be sure to check that out. Of course, if you want to support us, but you don't want to uh, support us financially, that's totally fine. We never want anyone to support us if it is in any way a financial hardship. But all you got to do if you want to do that is uh, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts are downloaded. Leave a review or a star rating for us. Uh, it really does make a huge difference. We'd really appreciate it. So that's how you can support the show. Other things I want to mention. You can use hashtag slash tag if you want to recommend something for us. Uh, sometimes if you use hashtag slash tag, it can end up altering the course of the show, which it did last week when we discussed Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, which is a recommendation from Dan Gvozdin, longtime guest friend of the show. Um, so yeah, use hashtag slash tag. You never know when it might become a main after dark topic or a main review topic or, or anything like that. Um, so did you guys notice by the way, this week, how many people, uh, just went and watched it without listening to anything we said about it. Just went and watched yeah. it completely blind. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's cool. There are, stuff. we, there, we are, uh, we are Legion, the, the unsullied. <laughs> there are dozens of you, dozens of you. Um, there are tens, and- tens of us, Dave. <laughs> And to be fair, Jeff, I'm one of them. I watched it without looking at anything, too. You know, this. Yeah, no. yeah, so there you go. Anyway, okay. Those are our weekly plugs. Hey, I got to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, NordVPN. Do you use a VPN? You should. For security, you know all about that. What about for TVs, movies, and other content? Yeah, you can access TV content, movie content, all the stuff you want to watch from anywhere. Don't miss your favorite content when traveling abroad. Stay at home virtually. It just takes a click. Open the map, click on a location, and you'll be connected in seconds. It's that easy. You can find streaming platforms at a lower price. A platform isn't available in your country. Simply change your virtual location. Even better, there's no more bandwidth throttling. NordVPN encrypts all of your traffic so your internet service provider can't slow down your streaming speed. What about gaming? A game isn't available in your country? No problem. Just change your virtual location and buy it. You can find discounts and other reasons. You have 60 countries to choose from. It's so easy to use and has amazing speed. It is confirmed by speed tests that NordVPN is the fastest VPN out there. That's why I use it. I don't want to be any slower using a VPN. Six devices on every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, macOS, Linux, even your Android TV supports NordVPN. And you can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com filmcast to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and threat protection and an additional month free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash filmcast, N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. All right, folks, let's get to our review of After Yang. What are you doing? Come on. What happened to Yang? I don't know. He shut down last night. He won't restart. Has this happened before? No. If we can't get Yang fixed, I'm not gonna buy another sibling for Mika. It is an interior core problem. I need your permission to break open the core. 
We've always known that some bots are equipped with spyware. You might not want this bot in your house anymore. I wish I had a real memory. That was from the trailer for After Yang, the newest film by writer-director Koganada. It was based off of the short story Saying Goodbye to Yang, written by Alexander Weinstein. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. In a near future, a family reckons with questions of love, connection, and loss after their AI helper unexpectedly breaks down. Devinder Hardwar, you and I had a chance to watch this movie uh, during Sundance. Mm-hmm. Um, we rewatched it this week, obviously. Uh, I know you're a huge fan. Tell us why you loved After Yang. I think after rewatching it, and I watched it with my wife this time too, so she got to see it. She was really like, it just felt like a very strange and different movie to her because ultimately it's it's just quiet conversations. Like be, there's a bombastic opening dance sequence, which I love. And I feel like Koganada does at least one of those in his movies because like Columbus has like one loud yeah. section. But yeah. otherwise his movies are like quiet little journeys of people's lives. And but watching this in Columbus back to back just made me realize like nobody does ennui like like this guy <laughs> right now. Like just people who are kind of like drifting through life and like have you know they're dissatisfied with something and they don't quite know how to put it. And that is kind of my jam, right? If done right, I think that is a very good wavelength for me. That is something I love from like a lot of the like the French New Wave movies or Sofia Coppola's movies like Lost in Translation. Like I am very much down with that. Um, just like something I gel with. And I think Colin Farrell in quiet Colin Farrell mode, like where he is just like staring forlornly at reflections and whatnot and his uh, his life. Like he just wants to be a tea man. He just wants to have a tea shop. Um, <laughs> I, I think all that stuff is really compelling because it is a this movie First of all, it's about an android that's dying and Colin Farrell's character is trying to save it for his for his adopted daughter. Um, but also this movie is about Colin Farrell, the tea man, just really, really loves tea, you mm. know, and but he really sells it in terms of like the exploration of like why he's why he's so drawn to it and what it means to him. And kind of it says so much about who he is as a character too um like uh not a huge spoiler but there are clones in this world and he is not a fan of the clones and we could talk about like why why that is like he is a character almost reminds me of like the dude from uh la la land right like just pursuing this type of authenticity that he can't quite achieve and he is like left adrift because of it I love everything about this movie. I, lo- I love like the, the like the issues he's going through. I love the fact that this is a world where people have humanoid robots that they buy like iPhones and basically bought it to help raise his adopted daughter. There's a great exploration here about like what adopted parents owe, owe their children in terms of exploring their actual cultures. Um, right, because their child, yeah. uh, Mika, uh, is a transracial adoptee. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's Chinese, and Yang mm-hmm. is obviously a Chinese cultural techno sapient who's, yes. who's trying to uh, tr- uh, inform her about China and the ways of the Chinese. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's it's kind of a an interesting sci-fi perspective on transracial adoption so. for sure. And certainly, if we if we were to have androids like this and other helper robots, like they they will be doing a lot of domestic work. And my God, guys, could I have used a helper android <laughs> during this pandemic? With my daughter, oh, yeah, like man, come basically on. the robot up. is, yeah, the robot is sort of like their, their like robotic sibling too. So 
it is a major loss if, if this if he doesn't survive you know it, it is a loss of a family member this movie explores all of that but also like these quiet conversations and everything end up being very much about you know life and how do we value our lives and how do we how do we actually find meaning through what we do i i love this movie i i think it is just like great on every level if you're not on the wavelength of what this movie is doing though then sure i'm, I'm sure it's it's just gonna be like a boring thing for a lot of people but i love the set design i love the world building i love the like mixture of organic and like future stuff but also this is a future where they have self-driving cars that need to have gardens in them and like wood carvings because like it, it is sort of like a world where people are trying to like rejuvenate nature in a way. Uh, we don't get a lot of uh, insight into like what his wife is doing played by Judy Turner Smith, but I, I know like Hoganada is envisioning her working on like great environmental work as well. Um, I, I love the vibe. This is a vibe movie. And if you can vibe with this movie, I think you will be very pleased. And if you don't, you'll probably fall asleep. Jeff Kanata. Now, I, I want to put this out there. Um, I, I'm very appreciative of everyone on this podcast who watches any movie any week. <laughs> Just in general, <laughs> right? Period. The end. But... Uh, Jeff, I don't think you had ever watched a Coconut movie before. That's There's right. only been one other Coconut movie. Come yeah. on! And so, and but Give you're Jeff like, a chance. but but yeah. uh, you, you you know we're, you we hadn't watched another Coconut movie, Dave. Yeah, yeah. well, I, you I mean, need to condescend to me, Dave. No, come I'm on. Not, <laughs> I was okay again. Yet again, one of my compliments is turned into is turned against itself. But I was just saying, I appreciated how game you, you were. You, a pleb who has never seen the lights, the works of Kugadada. You uh, you went out on a limb. You're like, you know, I, I'm going to mm-hmm. do what these guys say. We're going to watch both Kogonata movies next week. Yeah. Um, so well, I'm Kogonata. so curious. I, yeah. I appreciate you saying that, but I, you, you it, it makes it seem like I am not willing to extend beyond my comfort Jeff, zone. Jeff's favorite always... movie is my dinner with Andre. It's just two yeah, people dude. talking in a restaurant. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Clearly, I'm, all my compliments are backfiring this week, so I'm just going to have to go back to the drawing. I apologize. But Jeff, I'm so curious. What did you think of After Yang? Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say what I thought about after Yang is best summed up in the form of a limerick. Hmm. It's beautiful, but it could shed its monotone with tighter edits. It's a lot of one thing, but worth watching just for the opening credits. <laughs> this All movie's right. barely ninety Let's minutes long, but yeah. No, uh, I, that is uh, is is harsher than I intended to be. I really like this movie a lot. Um, awesome. I, the opening credits are the best opening credits in the history of cinema. Um, that's not for nothing. I, I, I'm yeah. not even exaggerating. You guys, we need to train for a month for this dance sequence. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody in the cast needs to train, though. Like, everybody. Even if you're yeah, here no, for like half a second. We need 400 yeah. people yep. to, to, to work so hard for literally a throwaway moment at the beginning of this movie. <laughs> It's so great. It's so, well, so, so great. Well, okay. So let, let's actually just explain what the opening. So we're going to give away what the opening credits are. Um, but I don't think it's throwaway. You know, I, I watched it. The first time I watched the movie, I was <laughs> like, oh, what a goofy little interlude that like. No, it tells you something about really the world. doesn't really mean that much. Yeah, oh, 100%. Right. But, but, but mm-hmm. upon rewatch, it's like, okay, A, yeah, it tells you something about the world. It, it kind of gives you a window into the lives of everyone's families, right, mm-hmm. in the world. Right. But also, 
it it indicates the degree to which Yang has been integrated into this family unit, right? Mm-hmm. Right, for sure. No, so I, I didn't. It, but mean it's that. about it's basically the opening credits is everyone doing kind of this DDR style, like Dance Dance Revolution style, more like more like uh, a Just Dance. It's like yeah, Just Dance, great, Just yeah, Dance. Yeah. yeah, it's like but also doing, like live broadcast, yeah. Yeah, live the broadcast. Idea is that in, yeah, in the future, I mean, it, this is all implied. There's no yes. explicit uh, yep. setting out of it, but it is. Uh, the idea is that in the future, uh, there are reality shows that everyone can participate in because we have cameras in your home shoot, uh, recording you. And so basically it's it's American Idol or, or uh, you know, uh, Dancing with the Stars, but everyone at home can play along. Thousands mm-hmm. of families can play along all at the same time. And yeah. you, you get whittled down based on your mistakes. Genius. Just a I genius concept. I love it. There, yeah. there was like an Xbox thing like that, right, Jeff? Like yes, a game uh, show? Yeah. Uh, one to 100 or something like that mm-hmm. was called. Um, yes. And, and it's it, cool that like they don't even explain. Mo- you just kind of get it. Based you on get the, it. The, the, yeah. the diegetic you, like, dialogue and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Not only do you get it, but I'm, I want it to be real. Yep. <laughs> I want that to be a real thing. I think that's amazing. I mean, I want my family to participate in that. That's so, it looks so fun <laughs> and such a cool yeah. uh yeah. The, one of the things I love most about this movie, and, and Devinder kind of touched on this a bit, is is how in a in, in what is uh, undeniably a very sad movie, it is such a hopeful vision of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and in even in the context of these descriptions of like spyware and things that are nefarious and very real, and you can imagine would be even more uh, egregious in this version of the future. Yet there is still this wonderfully hopeful air about the future as portrayed in this movie. And I, I think it is, it is masterfully um, expressed because th- so little expresses so much. I think the opening credits is a great uh, microcosm of that. But the movie on the whole does it so beautifully. Like the self-driving car, every, every shot inside the car is shot in this extreme close-up, that's kind of a camera mounted on the external of the car, yeah. and mm-hmm. you get the sense of this super high-tech future world, but it's only just hinted at beyond the edges of the frame. Yeah. It's gorgeous and and so well executed. Another example is like the video calls that people do yes. between each other. The full right? body. So usually- yeah, you're used to seeing video calls in sci-fi movies where it's like, oh, big fancy screen and da da da. In here, you you only it's hard to explain, but it, it only kind of hints at a screen basically. Well, it's just it, there's mm-hmm. no need to show the screen. It is literally just a camera perspective change. It's yes. all of a sudden the the actors are talking directly down the lens of the camera, and so now of course we're in the perspective of talking to them through a camera, but it doesn't need to actually show the technology that they're using. It's pretty amazing. It's, it's yep. such a mm-hmm. brilliant solve for that. Um, and, you know, I thought, I, I thought the movie is, is gorgeous. It expressed some really beautiful ideas about um, uh, what family is, what life and death mean, um, what being a human being is. I mean, it really is an, 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 uh, an examination of humanity, which is what I love most about art, right? So mm-hmm. it is it is doing that in a really lovely, meditative, beautiful way. I agree with Devendra that if you're not on the movie's wavelength, it will feel a little tedious, even at a short running time. And I think 
the movie benefits from its short running time because one of the things that I have learned now watching two Koganata movies is that this filmmaker likes to wallow in mood. And, mm-hmm. I, and Wall- I don't wallow is kind of a strong word, you know, it does feel like a pejorative, perhaps it, it does feel like a pejorative, but, but yeah. I, I, I don't mean it to be quite as harsh as perhaps it sounds. What, what was your he suggestion? Lets things breathe, you know? Yeah. I was yeah. I say luxuriate would mm-hmm. be another way to yeah, describe that it. That would be too far on the other side for me. <laughs> yeah, I do think that one of the things that's so wonderful about that opening credit sequence is that it is a different tone. And yeah. I think, as I kind of mentioned in the limerick, I think these movies would benefit from some variety in tone at some point. Just just a bit of comic relief here or there, just a bit of, it doesn't even have to be comic relief, but just different pace, a different, you are inside one mood through the entire experience. And that is effective in a lot of ways. And I don't, I understand the motivation for a filmmaker to do that, but I think I tend to respond better to mood when it isn't constant, right? When I'm when I'm mm-hmm. brought into and out of those moods, and there are juxtapositions and um, and uh, you know, the antithesis, right? The, the you know, feeling I will feel even deeper about something if I am allowed to not feel that feeling for a little while, um, and I just think that. That is my biggest critique of of these films, uh, and, and not to spoil our After Dark, but I do think this movie is lovely and beautiful and very much worth watching. And I I, I think it is a, it, it's like a tone poem, you know? Mm-hmm. It really mm-hmm. feels like this meditation on life. And there's some beautiful expression, especially in, in things that um, Colin... Um, um, Farrell. Farrell mm-hmm. is, is saying about tea and about why he was drawn to tea. It's just, it's just lovely. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, an examination of memory and why we have certain memories. It's all very, very lovely. It's just, um, I wish there, you know, we weren't sort of in, like you said, Devendra, in ennui throughout. I wish there mm-hmm. was some relief to that. So then when I'm drawn back into it, it even feels deeper. Even in the movie himself, itself, uh, there's a line, there cannot be something without nothing, right? And I think right, we were looking right. for a little more contrast, basically. Exactly, right? yeah. yeah. I hear you, I hear you. I have a lot to say about this movie in the in the spoiler section, uh, but for now, I agree with a lot of what you guys have said. The only thing I'm going to add to it is just that I really appreciated the way this movie was edited. Uh, mm-hmm. There is this interesting technique that he uses where the the con- the premise of the movie is that Jake Colin Farrell's character is looking th- at the memories of Yang, right? And so he's like replaying certain scenes from his past. And what the movie will do is it will replay a line of dialogue like three times, literally, right? Like it will replay someone saying the same word. It will replay someone saying the same word. It will replay someone saying the same word. You know, like in the way that I just did it. And then what it will do also, from my perspective, I think it's using different takes of that word. Mm, Yeah. Uh, So I I don't think they're identical. And so there's just, it kind of throughout, you get this weird play on memory of like, it's trying to recreate what it feels like to remember something. And Mm -hmm. well, I think also it's a juxtaposition between the memory he's viewing and his own memory of that moment. Yes. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. what he usually is. Yeah, Yeah. 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 So, 
I yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed the way the movie played around with that and tried to kind of replicate that experience in film form form. It's a thing that only film can achieve. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh and I, I really uh thought that was a very powerful way of of kind of putting that together. So it's very much uh like that whole memory retrieval thing is very one second a day. You know? Oh yes. Yes, yes. Like, I actually yeah. messaged, and how you can define your life by that. Yeah. I actually messaged Caesar Kuriyama multiple times, uh the, the creator <laughs> of One Second Every Day, yeah. uh listener of this podcast. And uh yeah, he creates the One Second Every Day app. Very similar in style sure. to what is shown yeah. in this movie. So I'm not sure if you know this, Jeff, but Kokonada was like a visual essayist. Like that's yeah. what oh, really? he, he did. He made movie. like video essays. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So he, well, his that... first one was about Breaking Bad. I, rem- I remember. Wow, that yeah. tracks. So like, yeah, he is somebody who's who does like analysis and he thinks about things kind of like we try to, but <laughs> clearly on a much higher level. I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, he did for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, uh, so let's get to uh, spoilers. For after Yang starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. I made a YouTube video about this, um, and I don't want to, like, negate anything you guys are saying about the film but (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think that on some level this movie is about what it means to be an asian american i know it Mm -hmm. also has other themes i know that's not the only theme it has you know but i mean it's a a world moment like defined by its asianness too like it's everywhere yeah yeah it's true right aesthetically you're saying right Mm -hmm. yeah um i was kind of annoyed that jake was a tea salesperson not because uh, like I, I'm bothered mm-hmm. that you know this guy is selling tea, and it, but just because like it, it, it took me out of the film because I'm like Tivana can't survive today. You know I don't <laughs> think it's gonna the popularity of tea is gonna grow more in the future. Now, it that, felt like you, a very quirky indie film type of thing. It very much, but, but this guy there believes is in the scene. tradition. Yeah. Well, but it, yeah, it, I don't think he's doing well. Yeah, he's not <laughs> so doing, like clearly it's not but working then out this well. Scene, yeah. There's this scene in the movie uh, where he's talking with Yang about tea, right? Mm-hmm. And this was like the critical scene in the movie for me. Like this is a scene that like unlocked uh, the whole the whole movie for me, where Yang asks Jake like, "What do you like about tea?" and um, and you know Jake talks about a Werner Herzog documentary and does a really good Werner Herzog impression about tea. And like about how you can taste the forest and tea and taste this kind of way of life. And, uh, and it's all very beautiful. And then they drink the tea. And then Yang says he, he doesn't react to it mm-hmm. in the same way. You know what I mean? I love the, um, by the way, I love the sound effect that is played after Yang drinks the tea. Oh, yeah. It's like kind of like an inhuman sound effect, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. a processing of liquids through a machine. Yeah. It's yeah. so cool. And he says, I'm going to read the from the script. He says, quote, Maybe uh, he says, "I wish Chinese tea wasn't just about facts for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like watching the way you make tea. It's very beautiful. The way the leaves bloom and float and fall. I wish I felt something deeper about tea. I wish I had a real memory of tea in China, of a place, of a time." End quote. And watching this movie, you know, when when you are an Asian American, 
um, people look at you and they they think you kind of in some ways don't belong, right? Like that you're other in some way. And uh, but the thing is, like you don't feel that's not how you view yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like people will ask, like where where are you from? No, where are you really from? And these are things we've said for like many many years, decades even, right? And so it's not it's not a new observation. But what this movie really illuminated for me is like this longing that Yang had this longing of like, I I wish I understood it on a deep level. I wish I got it in the way that you do. Mm -hmm. But all I have are the facts. Like all I can do is recite the information. I don't actually have it on a deep level. And that's honestly, for me personally as an Asian American, that's what it feels like to know about my home country of Taiwan and, you know, know all the stuff about it. But like, not really understand it on a deep level. But like f- by from the outside, it looks like I should, right? Like people would assume, oh, you probably know all about that stuff. Um, but I don't. And I think this this scene where he kind of conveys his longing, like, I wish I understood it, you know? Like that's mm-hmm. the longing I feel uh, when I think about my background. That's so beautiful. Anyway, that's beautiful. Yeah. I, I read that more as like, um, it is the thing the Blade Runner, you know, what the replicants want to. They want yeah. more life. They want more because all they know is their programming right and to me what's really interesting about yang too is that he is that's his thing like he he sees there's more going on you know he collects butterflies he thinks deeply he asks questions he's curious but he cannot process the things that you know the the greater things that humans the qualia of human experience he cannot actually perceive i I think it totally it totally works on the level of like what what does it mean to be human like what makes someone human i I think it totally works on that level but i also don't think it's an accident that jake is white and his Mm -hmm. wife is black and their daughter is chinese you know like Mm -hmm. i think that definitely not i think that there is this um this idea of like chinese being this thing that is like uh, or or that culture being beyond their grasp, that's why they they acquired this techno sapient, right? And and I think that um, you know Asians are often seen as like outsiders, you know. And there's a rich history in this country of uh, Asians being treated as outsiders. Um, and so anyway, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to take away from the other readings of the movie. Yeah, um, yeah. but um, no, I, think, totally I think it fair. works on multiple levels. Yeah. I think it works on multiple levels. So totally fair. But yeah. I, what's also interesting is that. You know, Jake is, uh, he is searching for meaning. Like he has all these tools in front of him, right? He can, he can, he can have the experience of tasting the tea and trying to, to do something with it. He can't find the meaning. Meanwhile, Yang, Yang seems right. Yang like. Yang seems to have unlocked the, uh, yeah. meanings of life and the universe and everything basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It's who is the real robot here is the question. Right. Um, mm. but, uh, Devendra, you also mentioned, the the clone stuff. You know, I had a chance to look at the book. Yep. Sorry the uh, the short story. It's a very brief short story. By it's the way, it's like short. ten yeah. pages. You should check it out if you're if you're interested. I think the clone stuff is only obliquely really mentioned in that mm-hmm. in that book. No, they they uh, they built on a lot of it, but yeah, the clone stuff here is just like yeah, of course this guy this this idiot who's running <laughs> a traditional tea shop when they got freaking tea crystals in the future. Who wants to brew tea? You got tea crystals over here. It takes a couple <laughs> seconds. It makes it makes a perfect glass of tea. But also, it is very much the La La Land thing, right? Of like, uh, yeah, you're not getting it. It's not the future. You got to protect the future. The 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 
you know, the past. You have to protect the the essence of jazz. Um, and of course, it's this guy kind of fighting for it. Whereas I think like a lot of other people would be like, dude, like it, it is just easier to make the crystal tea. Um, there is value to it. But his fight may be kind of fruitless in a way. But of course, this guy would also be like clones, like with some <laughs> real humans over here. I, I, Only, I do think yeah. I do think that like. You know, Jeff, you spent a lot of time talking about how the movie does a lot with very little. And I agree, for the most part, that's that's accurate. But I do think that we probably could have used a little bit more on stuff like the clones and his relationship with them. Um, well, it's, it's not it's about hinted. that, right? That's sort it's of just about background you, tapestry, you know? And you get a lot yeah. of it, too. Like, that that one awkward conversation he has with Clifton Collins Jr.'s kids is like, you are you don't think we are real people, like, uh, real beings, right? You don't think we should exist. There is bigotry. Here, well, I guess so. Ada is a clone, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So I think that for her, that emotional payoff to happen in the way that I think it's supposed to, uh, or to have maximal impact, right? It feels like we should know a little bit more about like what's going on with clones and why he's against them. I think you're right, though. Ultimately, you're right that it's probably enough, Divinger, because mm-hmm. he's a, he's clearly just a traditionalist, right? Yep. Like he's clearly yep. just conservative in the lower kc type and just like doesn't like change too much but he's cool with the robot because it's the progressive thing to do well i think it's Um, the weirdest thing about the movie that is never touched upon for me is that (laughs) how you just don't know where your robot is for hours at a time i mean what what are you gonna do you're gone you're not home i guess but what do your pets do when you're not home? wouldn't it be weird if your roomba like just went out on its own and went to a club you know like yeah, it seems odd to me. I don't know. He was he was keeping it a secret from from what I yeah, but know. like like yeah, you know. I guess you but, know. You know. Honey, have you seen <laughs> Gang? No, have you? No, it's weird. <laughs> that, that was a really powerful like moment towards the end when you realize like Yang has lived this entire other life before yeah. he even encountered this family. You know, he has lived lifetimes, lifetimes at this point, multiple yeah. lifetimes. Um. Yeah, that was awesome. I I, I was mm-hmm. talking more about like just going out and clubbing and meeting girls. No, I get that. You know, get that. but yeah, that that was awesome. That that revelation that uh, he's been factory refurbished many times. Never never believe what they tell you at the <laughs> store, people. Right? But so good. Got to be certified refurbished. Or yeah. Just when he's you. like, "Wait, you weren't the first owner of Yang?" You know, like <laughs> yeah. he was like surprised at that. Yeah. Um. Any uh, any other thoughts about like kind of the ending of, of this movie? I mean, um, it's it's heartbreaking too. Like yeah. it goes through the whole experience of like, oh, he he has this his awakening right in his first family and his first family. Um, you know the the kid. I I don't quite understand what the the fight was between the kid and the mother. Like I'm not sure what happened there, but just you know he lived an entire life with this woman and she dies and he forms an attachment with this other person and. That shot of just like from the tree to uh, in memory of this person, you know, and it's like uh, drive safe or something like uh, there there was something about like mm. uh, driver safety. It was like that just that thing. It reminds me of like, I don't know if you guys, you know, when you go for walks and you just kind of see the white bicycles or you yeah. see the memorials that yeah, people you put wonder, up. like, what was the story there? What was yeah. the story there? Yeah. What was that person's life? And that that just kind of hit me the first time I saw this movie. I did not expect that and then i guess yang just remembers too like he he kind of stores it but it, it is still a part of him they don't like wipe his memory in between different uh installations i guess <laughs> so the idea of him just like finding this person again and just 
finding it is so so mm. moving. He yeah, found like a she, different yeah. version of her. Right, she's yeah. a clone. She's a yeah, clone she's of a the clone. of the first of the earlier she, woman. Right, she's a clone yes, of the helper. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, I loved that moment where uh, he's going back through the memories and it's like gamma. Uh, it's like open mm -hmm. beta, opening beta, uh, open <laughs> alpha. Not enough, no, not enough room for Alpha. Like there's <laughs> yeah. like a shit ton of memories from Alpha. And he's like, still not yeah. enough room for Alpha. And it, yep. And it opens up like the supernova from the fountain. Yeah. You know, it was like when they such finally a cool way to express that, mm -hmm. you know, to because you immediately get, oh, dude, not only are there different version histories of this guy. <laughs> one of them had a very full life, you know, like because mm -hmm. Beta is like uh, unpacking Beta. Beta yeah. unpacked. It's like very brief, you know, like not very many yeah. memories. And then like, we the was like, no room, bro. You got to uh, archive Even in shit. the future, they need to upgrade their iCloud, basically, <laughs> it's, is what the, oh, it's, is such what a, the it's such a is. perfect, you know, modern. It tells you the whole story. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And it's it's the mundanity of it, too. It's right. data. He's doing data archiving, you know, yes. and like moving folders around. And the movie shows this. Uh, he is doing like uh, iPhone repair. Basically, I was like, hey, I bought it here, man. Like, hey, will yeah. you fix this iPhone? And uh, I love how, like, mundane some of this, like, high-level future stuff is. Um, I I kind of feel this way. Like, guys, I don't, I don't buy new cars. I've never bought a new <laughs> car in my life. You buy a used car, that car has lived a life, right? Yeah. There's been people. Of, there's been families. Lots like, of butts in those seats. Lots aren't of butts butt. in those seats. And yeah. those butts have lives. Yeah. The, the the like deeper meaning behind all that i feel like it's just it is one of those things i like to like consider and ponder at some point and it's really lovely to see a movie just kind of be about that you know and that's it's fine being that let me throw this out there guys i hate to be that guy yeah but i'm gonna, I'm do, gonna. You, do you hate i don't believe that no i don't um no <laughs> so the short story ends with the family burying yang mm. uh and this movie I could totally see why they didn't do that. Colin Farrell's character, Jake, gives a speech at the end. He's like, I don't think we should give them Yang's body. We shouldn't give mm -hmm. the museum Yang's body, but we should give them the memories so they can study them. Well, and he doesn't want Yang to be on display. Yeah. Right, he doesn't want Yang to be on display. Very reasonable, yeah. very good decision. Yeah. But then, like, we we never know what happens to Yang's body in the movie, as far as I, I can tell. But what, right? what's important so like that one is... one dude just gets to keep... Oh, no, he gets it back from that guy. No, I, I'm, right, pretty but... sure, I'm pretty sure the museum is keeping it because they can they can actually but, preserve it in a way, but not putting it on display. Right, right. That's but, how I read it. Yeah, I mean, and I understood. Yeah, fair enough. I think it's totally mm -hmm. fair interpretation. I think it's just, uh, and I understand why. Like having a scene where the family buries Yang physically would not fit in with the tone of the movie, probably. Right. Mm -hmm. But it it is kind of a bummer because like that that's kind of what ends the short story, and it's like mm, sure. it would have been nice to kind of have I a kinda, little bit more finality. I uh, love in, how in this way. movie ends though, because it's just. It's one of those things, right? Like it's he realizes the, the whole thing about this movie is that these parents are kind of concerned about their daughter, right? And they don't fully know the extent of her life because uh, Yang has been doing a lot of that work. Like luckily he's been around, you know, and it is Jake coming to terms and like learning what his daughter, who his daughter is, you know, she gets up in the middle of the night and she gets herself a glass of water and she likes to do that because she's, she's a self-possessed kid. And now he knows that about her, you know, and now they can have these experiences together because he knows he's drawing more towards her. And I just found that really, really, um, really beautiful in a way. Also, 
I really want that couch. <laughs> do you guys want to know what she says world. at the end, by the way? Or do you, do she you not want to know? Because she, she says like a bunch of stuff in Chinese, basically, at the end. Uh-huh. What does she say? Um, if I recall correctly, it's something along the lines of like, uh, I'm sorry, um, like, I miss you, brother, and I'm mm-hmm. sorry that uh, I was annoyed by you. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> kind of like a, I'm sorry about like all the stuff that happened between us, and I, I miss you. You know, mm-hmm. is kind of what it what she said at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, did you guys think that that girl sang a little too well? <laughs> so, so the idea is that she's singing like Yang's song at the end. It's right? beautiful. Like, it's a beautiful. Yeah. And then the it's credits. A, that song, by the way, is like it's a random. Uh, it is a thing from a Japanese movie in the two thousands. Like it's a weird thing to be even pulling from, but I found that kind of lovely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful, but she sings it too well. <laughs> I mean, like that kid is like, oh. She, uh, Jeff, this talk is about like my complaint that like uh, Jamie Dornan is too good looking in Belfast, uh, <laughs> yeah. which you you did not have very much sympathy for that. No, complaint, so. this is I don't well, know. It just it's one of those kids. Where it's like, oh, this is a kid that's been in some musical. Theater. I mean, she's been <laughs> places, but she is uh, she's really good. Unlike yeah. that uh, that other kid we were just talking about from uh, Pro- Adam Project. <laughs> good God, this is a good child. Actor. This is like the anti. It struck me that this is the anti Adam Project, basically. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yeah, just like style and substance and everything. Budget. You know, every, yeah, budget. Yeah. Out yeah. for that poor child actor, though, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Defincher's like, just, fuck no. that kid. No, no, no. Um, it's not the kid. I, I should be saying, it is not the kid. It is the it character. Is, it is the, the character, character that he is portraying. Yes. Because Ryan Reynolds really needed a child to be just like him. It's, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Shout out to Sarita Chowdhury in this movie. I love seeing her in everything. And Clifton Collins Jr. We love him. Yes. Former yeah. film cast guest, yes. Collins Jr. Yeah, he's having a moment. He's a. Uh, I need to see the jockey movie. Yeah, jockey. I've heard jockey is great. So, all right, folks. Any other thoughts, or shall we wrap it up there? At the end of the day, <laughs> I think it's pretty impressive that Koganata made a movie. Please so, make more movies. Yeah, make more movies, Koganata. And uh, he uh, directed, I think, what the first episode of Pachinko, if I'm not yep. mistaken. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. going to be on Apple TV Plus. I'm looking forward to checking that out. I also want to mention, by the way, that if you are interested in learning more about the phenomenon of uh, transracial adoption, I read a book not too long ago called All You Can Ever Know, written by Nicole Chung, who writes for The Atlantic. Uh, Incredible book, like incredible page turner that Mm. is a memoir. And Mm -hmm. it's about um, how she's adopted by white parents. And it's just an amazing book. I'd strongly recommend it. I thought a lot about it when I was watching this movie. Um, it's all you can ever know by Nicole Chung. I also did a culturally relevant episode with her, uh, but yeah, check it out. Strongly recommend. Looks like okay. uh, he directed uh, the first three episodes of Pachinko, yeah, he's all over that, show. and then episode yeah. seven also. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So looking forward to that. I think it's going to be on Apple TV Plus later this week, if I'm not mistaken. So that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Filmcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from Varsity Blue. Check out his current band, The Midnight. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Our weekly plugs music and our email plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode is edited by Beatty Zhang. Next week, the current plan is to review The Lost City, which is out in theaters. Uh, It's going to be... Uh, I've heard it's really fun, uh, really yeah. great. Guys, here's something we talked about in our Scott Mendelson spaces. <laughs> uh, Ridley Scott, Guillermo del Toro, and Steven Spielberg each made a movie in the last year. Ridley Scott made two. Mm-hmm. None of those movies made more money 
than the movie that Channing Tatum directed called Dog. <laughs> I was telling <laughs> you about Tatum. Dog. I was telling you. Yeah. Channing Tatum, the new king of the box office. Also, he is yeah. going to be in the Lost City. So he's, it should be a lot of fun. He's been kind of quiet for a while. I am happy to have the uh, tatum Yeah. <laughs> tatum Nice. All right. Uh, stay tuned for our After Dark. We're going to be reviewing Columbus. Until then, see you guys later. And Devendra, if we don't see you next week, good luck, man. Yes. Yep. Good luck. Thanks, folks. Thanks, folks.